Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Journal Docs podcast. Today, um, we have a really amazing guest today. He's a living legend. He's a myth. He also did uh, a graduation speech for uh, Field Med, and I might have been there <laughs> during that time. But we have uh, Navy Cross recipient Luis Fonseca. What is up, dude? Not much, brother. How's it going? Oh, it's going. It's just uh, another uh, another day, but I'm honestly honored that, you know, to have you on, dude. It's like, a, it's, it's a weird, like living a dream. <laughs> uh, you know, that's very humbling. Thank you. But, you know, truly and honestly, the, the honor is all mine. The privilege is truly all mine. Um, you know, never would I have expected that my name, I guess, would be associated in our community or in any community with with a certain level of honor, if, if you want to call it that way, right? And, and yeah. a certain level of respect. And uh, so it's truly humbling and in, in, in my honor, my privilege to do this. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you. Yeah, man, I, I think uh, since day one hearing about like, just like I said, uh, you did our, <laughs> our little graduation speech in uh, Field Med and everything you were saying just kind of stuck to heart since then. And then uh, everything else from being a corpsman and being part of this community and then eventually kind of getting on the page and then doing more for like corpsman and just in general. And then everything that you've done has just been, you know, amazing as well, man. So kind of uh, going down that road, what, what led you to be a corpsman, dude? Like just kind of. Yeah. You know, 22 years ago when I decided to, to venture into the military was out of um, me seeing a lot of friends um, going down the wrong path. And back then we, you know, they were my friends. They were, you know, those, yeah. those are who I associated with, they, who I hung out with, who I had a, a bond with. And I had friends that, that um, in my retirement speech, I spoke about it a little bit. Mm. Uh, I had friends from different variations of life from some guys and girls that you do not want to cross path with and, and others that are, you know, now doctors, straight A students went to Ivy League schools. Um, nice. But I was just hanging out with the more rough crowd, if you want to call it that way. And just after seeing where their life was kind of being put on pause, either by an incarceration, either by yeah. their life being taken away um, or, you know, drugs. Uh, decided that I needed to get out of my town of Fayetteville, North Carolina and, and, and do something with my life. I was a high school dropout. Um, I knew my passion for medicine was there. And my growing up in North Carolina, my dream was to go to UNC Chapel Hill to go okay. to med school there. Um, but once that dream wasn't going to be realized, I knew I needed to get out of there. And, and at that time, I always make the joke. I say, uh, as a high school dropout, who is going to accept me? And I said, you know what, the Marine Corps, my dad was an army guy. So I yeah. grew up with all of the jokes, the inner service jokes. So for me, growing up as an army brat, I thought the Marines are the dumbest of the dumbest. <laughs> they could use an idiot like me, right? Yeah. They can use an idiot like me. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to run over to the Marine Corps. And I asked him when he, when he pulled up my ASVAB scores, because I did do my ASVAB in high school. Um, and he pulled him up. He goes, I can give you any job you want in the Marine Corps. What do you want to do? And I, from that moment on, I knew if I was going to do this, I needed to take the opportunity to do yeah. what I wanted to do and what I truly had a passion for. So I told him all I knew was medic. I was like, I want to be an, a medic, kind of like the army has but for the Marines. And he was like, well, we don't have those. And I would ask him, so who takes care of you when you're sick, when you get wounded on the yeah. battlefield? And all the re recruiter kept telling him, like, oh, well, we have another branch of service that takes care of that for us. But if you want to join the Marine Corps, I'll give you any job. And he gave me a whole bunch of pamphlets and said, read over them. And um, I said, okay, as I'm leaving the recruiting mm. station where I got recruited out of in um, Fayetteville, North Carolina, it's actually a recruiting like um, hub. 
So you have the Army, yeah. the Air Force, the Marine Corps, um, the Coast Guard, I think was there too. Um, so as I was walking out, the Navy recruiter um, just straight up asked me, he was like, hey, who'd you just finish talking to? And I was like, the Marine Corps. I was like, hey, what did he offer you? And I said, we offered all, all these other jobs. And he yeah. knew, I think he could tell in my face that I wasn't sold on the Marine Corps. Yeah. And he goes, well, what do you want to do in life? And I said, I want to be a medic. He says, but they don't have those in the Marine Corps. So I just want to be a field medic. And um, that's when I first heard the word hospital corpsman or corpsman. I remember what he said. Yeah. And he brought me into the office and he said, hey, if I can guarantee you to go be a corpsman with the Marines, will you sign up right now? And even then I was like, well, yeah, but how can a Navy person set me up to go with the Marines? Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know anything about any other branch of the service. So um, he gave me a plant, pamphlet, read over it. I found out what a, a, a Greenside or, you know, FMF yeah. corpsman was. And right then and there was, uh, it was seven days past my 18th birthday because my parents would not, my parents are Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so they wouldn't Ooh, sign for okay. me to go into the Navy. And, um, and that's also an, uh, another part of the story too. When people look at a lot of ceremonies and I was like, where are his parents? Where are his parents? It's not that my parents aren't involved in my career. It's just, yeah. they separate them honoring my career by honoring me, if that makes sense. So anywho. Yeah, no, I get that. <clears throat> So at 17, you know, um, I knew they weren't going to sign for me to go into the military. So I waited till after I turned 18. So it was about a week after my 18th birthday. And I, I delayed entry programmed in. Mm. And, um, and the reason we delayed entry programmed in is because my recruiter at that time was still trying to give me a shot to graduate high school. He was like, go get your GD, go back to high school, finish it up. You know, yeah. um, you'll get a bigger sign on bonus. You'll get this and that. But still the knuckleheaded Luis Fonseca that's <laughs> been the knucklehead from day one. So, well, if I already have a contract and I'm already going to be a corpsman, why do I need a, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go to college. That was a big bonus back then, $50,000 sign-on bonus for college. Jesus. Yeah, this is back in 1999. <clears throat> and, you know, as a high school job, I was like, well, I'm not going to go to college. What do I need another 50 grand for? I'll just do this and then get out and whatever. <laughs> so that's how my journey in the Navy really started was just out of me trying to find a path in life, trying to find an escape out of mm. what I started noticing wasn't the best situation situation for me at the time. And um, and then realizing that the Marine Corps didn't have a, a medical program. And so the Navy kind of scooped me up, which I'm glad it was because if it wasn't for that, I did talk to, to the Air Force PJ guys, but at that yeah. time, in, back in 1999, they weren't taking anyone into the Air Force. Um, and so my only option that I saw at that time was going into the Army. Um, but like I said, I'm definitely glad that as I was walking out the Marine Corps recruiter, the Navy recruiter just asked me, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And and took the time to listen to really what I wanted to do. And and uh, he fought for a lot of waivers. I think I came in with four or five waivers into the Navy just because of my background. And he fought for yeah. a lot of them. And and I had phone interviews. And so, yeah, that was the journey that started my my journey. It seems to be like a lot of the the best people that I've kind of worked with have always come from really kind of rough backgrounds. And then once they're in, they make the most out of these situations, because I guess even like for myself, kind of uh, I appreciate all the amazing things and the things that it's been able to take me away from. Same thing. I'm from San Diego, not the nicest parts that people think of when they think San Diego, like mm -hmm. San Isidro, National City, Southeast San Diego. So it's like you finally get away from these things. and It's like, OK, like there's better things out there. So I definitely hear you on that, man. So how long were you in debt until you finally kind of uh, went to core school, went through that whole nine? 
well what <laughs> eight months nine months because i i um my birthday's in, in late november so it'll probably beginning of december is when i signed all the the paperwork and depth in and like i said my recruiter i could have left earlier <clears throat> but the issue was um, him trying to fight for those waivers and it would have been undesignated contract. Oh no. I was like, yeah. And, and you know, we hear the, the horror stories with recruiters, right? When yeah. they find someone that really just wants to leave, they're like, Hey, here's the quickest way, go do it. And they give you all the, the BS, you know, the clouded story. I want to say BS, but the clouded story. Oh, you can yeah. try any raid. And, but yeah, my recruiter was straight up legit. He was like, don't, he goes, Try to go get your GED. While I'm working on your waivers, get your GED. And I can guarantee you, Cormier goes, as of right now, I can't. And so that's also why it took so long. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I left boot camp July 12th of 1999. So yeah. I said from December until then, seven, eight months. That's pretty wild. Just get, Well, yes, but that's good on him that, you know, he, he's a man of his word. And he's like, hey, yeah. man, I'll get you what you want. And then after core school, it just went through FMSS or field medical school, uh, like right after, or did it, um, how long did it take you to go straight to the Marines after core school? Oh, mine was a, a straight shot. Um, I went straight from, uh, yeah, from boot camp, uh, got on the bus, got driven over to Great Lakes to the, yeah. across the street, you know, to core school, uh, A school. And then uh, after graduating uh, A school in, shit, January, February, uh, got flown down to, to North Carolina to Camp Lejeune and uh, was PSI there for like 45 days and then classed up for field medical service school or back in the day, like you said, FMTV, mm-hmm. field medical training battalion. Um, no, it was FMSS when I went through that yeah. field medical service school. And uh, so, yeah, and then right after graduating FMSS, I was straight off to, to division. It was really a straight shot. Um, when I was in A school, you know, they give you a little mm-hmm. dream sheet and there's three boxes to your top yeah. three. And everyone, you know, put specific locations, Hawaii, you know, Spain or San Diego. Yeah. All I did was put F in one box, M in the other box, <laughs> and F in the third box. So my instructor's <laughs> like, all right, Fonse, I guess you just want to go FMF. And I was like, yeah. In hindsight now, in hindsight now, if I would have known all what I've known, I would have put like FMF West Coast or FMF overseas yeah. just because... I think a little bit part of my hiccups in the in the Navy was being stationed so close to home for my first eight years. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, what I was trying to run away from was just a stone stone throw away, you know? Mm. And, uh, and so I think that led to a little bit of my bad judgments as well early on in my career. No, I definitely hear you on that. I've made that mistake too of just going from San Diego, go to Pendleton. And it was just like, oh, dude, I'm like right there as well. And I try to tell people too that like work on them or whatever. It's like, hey, pick orders to somewhere, somewhere different. Like go experience something else. Because yeah, like you said, it's so easily to fall back into the things that you're trying to get away from and yep. move forward on in life. But uh, who are you with out in uh, Lejeune once you got there with Division? So with Division, I was actually my first four years assigned to a second track, second amphibious assault battalion. Okay. Um, and then my last year and a half, I was assigned to 2-8. Um, but with AAVs, you know, we support so many units on deployment. So, you know, I've supported one, two, I think all of, just about all the second Marine Division units we've supported at one time or another in that four years. Um, Cause we're, we're an accessory unit, you know, yeah. like a tank. That's what people don't understand, you know, a, a grunt, 
battalion gets supported by all these other units. You know, we're all yeah. we all just exist to support <laughs> that grunt. You know, and and so it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. But but organic true orders uh, to Sycamore Div and Lejeune was was second tracks in two eight, and then. Um, when I went to shore duty for the first time was just right there at the Naval Hospital in Camp Lejeune. Um, so I worked out of three clinics during my three years there, um, out of Courthouse Bay, out of Hadnot Point, and I worked at the brig as well for okay. uh, a year. So so with that track deployment, was that um, your first one, uh, like during that initial invasion, during the, the initial push? Yeah, yeah, it, it most definitely was. And, and I am a believer, I, I became a, a devout Buddhist back in, in 2013 um, and believe that, you know, to me, karma is a bigger thing than just, hey, if I make, if I punch you in the face, that means an hour from later, I'm going to get punched in the face. That to mm. me is not what karma is. Karma is everything has a, 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 a positive and negative reaction, right? Yeah. And, um, and what we put out to the universe comes back to us. But the funny thing is, is, that Iraq deployment, the 2003 deployment, wasn't mm. even supposed to be my first deployment. I was actually slated to go on another deployment. And um, what a lot of people don't realize is, mm. like I said, being so close to home and, and still being influenced by dumbasses, um, I was actually uh, arrested while I'd been in the Navy and got thrown in jail. Yeah. Um, I was facing uh, two felony charges at the time, um, which were all... Um, false charges that's why they didn't stake that's why you know yeah. i never got booted out um but the knuckle-headed luis fonseca um <laughs> his lawyer told him hey look the easiest way to get out of this is do a plea bargain for trespassing i'm gonna just leave it at that yeah um <laughs> to do a plea bargain for trespassing and do 24 hours of community service you finish that and i'll expunge your record well 21 year old luis fonseca who still thinks he's a billy badass running the streets of north carolina right <laughs> i'm only an hour and a half away from home said no screw that i'm not doing community service for anything i didn't do yeah um but my lawyer kept saying hey you need to do this you need to do this so lo and behold the day that i'm supposed to leave for my first deployment my gunny comes up to the ramp is like hey doc what the hell is this i'm hearing that you have a warrant out for your arrest i'm like no nah, gunny uh, i shouldn't have anything i took care of all of that he goes yeah that's what you've been telling us um, he goes, hey, come over to the office. So I go over to the company office. Yeah. Who's in the comp company office? Oslo County Sheriff's Department. <laughs> yeah, dude. So they lock me up. Yeah, but warrant for your arrest. I get thrown back in Oslo County Jail. I see the judge maybe about four or five days later. You know, uh, they had to get some grunt corpsman from, from Mainside to, to take over my deployment. Um, four or five days later, I see the judge. He's like, hey, what the hell happened? And I told him, I, I so this is why I didn't do it. I'm not guilty of this. I don't see why I need to be, you know, doing community service. He yeah. goes, well, you already kind of pled to this trespassing. He goes, so now I have no other um, course of action but to make these two felonies stick on you. Yeah. So yeah. So then, so when people <laughs> hear that I have, I'm a two-time felon, that's how they got stuck. So I never really did any time for it. It's not like I got locked up for years and years. It's not, it was like, you're just a dumbass. You could have had this all expunged <laughs> out of your record, but now I have to keep the charges on you. Luckily at that time, I was already in the Navy roughly, uh, shoot, let me see, it was in 2002. So I was already in the Navy a little bit over three years. 
Um, and uh, I had made a pretty decent name for myself. I hadn't gotten in too much trouble at that time. And so my chain of command came to bat. Um, so the judges gave me time off. He goes, hey, the convention's a convention. Go do your Navy time. Um, and so, yeah, so I got taken off of that deployment in, in, in 2002, October of 2002. And then in December of 2002, we got the word that, hey, we're going to go to Iraq. Everyone's going to get recalled in. Yeah. And then in January, we got on the boats to go to Iraq into the initial invasion. I got put in with a different unit at that time. And then, you know, on Nazaria happens, the whole battle of on Nazaria, the Navy mm. Cross comes about. So there's a lot of... <laughs> You know, if you look at it, like if, if Luis Fonseca would have never gotten, if I would have never gotten in trouble, would have never been a knucklehead, gone to my first deployment, <laughs> who would have been no. in the Battle of Al-Nazaria during that time, right? And I'm not saying that another corpsman wouldn't have done what I've done. Yeah. I'm a believer that 99% of us do what I've done. I'm just the 1% guy that his gunny and his lieutenant looked out for and said, hey, yeah. we have a good doc, put him in. He, he did more than just his duties, you know, just yeah. like when we hear Marines that mowed down, you know, in the Korean War, Vietnam War, and they're the, the, the guy that's holding the line, you know, in yeah. my mindset, being someone that's fought on the front lines, like, well, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. But also now as a leader, you can also see now that, but you know what, at the same time, it's not that everyone specifically does what that individual person does, yeah. did or did at that time, and we should recognize that. So, yeah, so it's weird, right? You know, like I said, karma, how life works, the yin and the yang, the positive and the negative. You know, if, 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 if I wouldn't have gotten in trouble and then had a worn out for my arrest, I wouldn't have been in the Battle of al -Nazari. I would have been somewhere else. Yeah, but it, it's a good learning lesson because then it's like, okay, one, I need to stop being a dumbass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then two is just like afterwards, it's kind of like a little bit of a road to redemption. It's like, hey, I need to kind of get my head on my own ass because I've been there too in spots where it's like oh man like and we think we know better because we're young or whatever but yeah like if <laughs> I don't know man like that's a tough spot even just like reading all the stuff that kind of happened it's just like holy shit <laughs> right like and like you said yeah like most of us would do whatever we can especially when it's our boys that are hurt it's yeah. like you do some incredibly crazy things despite your own well-being but yeah, man, it's in the, it's insane. Even still going back and reading every every couple times, I'm just like, bro, but that's good that you had that chain of command that they were like, hey, you know, Doc may have been doing his job, but if you read it, everything, I can't imagine that 1650 and just everything, that, all the other stuff they left out. Because I've read a couple of words from like friends and it's just like, bro, you're only getting a comp for this? This reads so much higher, but it's just a matter of who's fighting for you and all that. But right. And then when it gets up to that level, I've gotten as I've progressed in my Navy career, I've gone to get maybe an inside look on yeah. more how my award came to be. And then also how being part of the organization called the Legion of Valor. And the only way you can become a member of it is uh, either you have to have one of the Medal of Honors or you have to have uh, awarded one of the service crosses. Okay. And, um, so a lot of those guys, man, they, they're embedded in DC. They um, help out with the award system. They, um, so being part of that organization, I've gotten to see how those get vetted as well a lot. Yeah. And yeah, even, even knowing the, the red tape of it, the politics of it. Yeah. There's some awards that I've read that are bronze stars or silver stars. And I'm like, dude, this is a service cross if not medal of honor, you know, and, and, 
I know for me personally, what, um, what was the, I guess the big decision factor, mm-hmm. um, because I did come to find out that it was true that I was nominated for the Medal of Honor was, um, um, the fact that there wasn't enough eyewitness accounts that could put my name to my face because most of my casualties were all the grunt Marines. It wasn't my am trackers, you know? So my am trackers would be like, yeah, I saw Doc running around here and I saw him over there and I saw him treat this person. But the ones that I was actually treating, you know, face to face were a lot of the grunt guys. And so they're like, yeah, we just know it's some doc. So it gets really, once the, once a haze starts to be put over that story and when they're like, I can't say if it was Fonseca or not. I know it was a doc that treated me. Yeah. But it, I, I've never met this guy. So then Big Navy can't say, well, it must have been Fonseca. No, Big Navy can't say that. They have to, for 100%, yeah. know for sure. So I well, know they could, that was, but they're not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like I said, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure there's also some parts because I do know that buildings at Corsica were, were looked at to be named after me. But hey, I, I, I'm not in the Navy no more. I, I was told that, hey, we can't name a building after a guy that's alive because what if he goes and murders five people? Then what are we going to do? It's kind, of the same <laughs> it's kind of the same reason why we don't name ships after people that are alive. I yeah. think President Bush was the first person that we named a ship after while he was still alive. It kind of goes along the same yeah. terms. Like if we name him after someone that's still alive and then they go do all these heinous things, what is the Navy going to do? But I think the Navy has bigger problems than that right now. <laughs> <laughs> They definitely have way bigger problems than like, <laughs> well, I, I think I'm one of those problems, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I doubt it, but it would be cool kind of seeing uh, your name on there, but it's like at that point, it's just like, yeah, like, hey, welcome to the Luis Fonseca building, you know, yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, <clears throat> which would be cool, but even then, like, uh, with that whole Medal of Honor business, it's like, even through deduction, kind of like deductive reasoning, you kind of tell, okay, during these time frames, yeah, they might not know specifically it was him, but of all those time hacks and all the other eyewitness account, mm-hmm. it should just kind of, you know, like, hey, theoretically, like this all lines up. But yeah. like you said, I know there's a whole lot of politics and I don't know how how crazy it goes into all that, but. It, Me neither. Nice. And, I ha- <laughs> and I have a little bit more of an inside look than you do, you know, but it's still very, I mean, behind closed doors, you know, political, like, yeah, man. You got to find someone with deep pockets and be like, bro. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, I'm going to start tagging uh, Grunt Style and like, like, right home, like, hey, yo, bros, uh, how about you guys, uh, you know, talk to Dan Crenshaw over here. Right. <laughs> But, uh, dude, that's, like, uh, how long afterwards, like, coming back from deployment or everything, did they tell you right away, like, hey, we're putting you in for something, or was it just kind of like a, like a, like a, like a surprise, I guess, I don't know. No, so, (laughs) (laughs) so here's where it gets, here's where my mindset about really what the military and leadership is all about started to change. So yes, I was a knucklehead. I was a young yeah. punk kid, just like all of us are at 18, mm-hmm. 19, 20 years old, right? And when we leave our house, most of us leave that early to try to be defined against our parents. I don't no longer want to live under your rules. And then we go join the military to go even under bigger rules, right? <laughs> but now, yeah. now we're big boys and big girls and no one's going to tell me what to do. So I still was very much 
went against the, the flow of things. Yeah. So um, when I was still in Iraq, when we we're still in Iraq and my company Gunny and, and Lieutenant were having to do the after action reports and put in people for awards. Um, Mike Gunny came up, I was like, hey doc. And he was asking me a lot of questions. And at first I honestly thought it was just the, um, his after actions report. But then my senior line corpsman, HM3 Benjamin Fleming, um, came up to me and started asking me more questions. And I straight up asked him, I said, hey, HM3, what's going on? And he told me, he goes, hey, Fonseca, just don't say anything, please. He goes, but your gunny's putting you in for an award. So we're just trying to get all the proper information. Yeah. Uh, maybe a week later, I came to find out that my gunny was putting me in for the Silver Star. And I remember asking HM3 at the time, I was like, hey, HM3 is like, is this true? He goes, yeah, Fonseca. He goes, you did a lot of great things out there. I was like, okay. All right, thanks. Um, <laughs> and and I say it that way because that's how I really felt, and that's kind yeah. of still how I feel right now. My wife, I, you know, she she talks to me a lot and says, oh, my wife always says, "Baby, if, if you could see yourself the way I or others see you, you yeah. wouldn't think so negatively about yourself." And um, and so that's so even back then when I was like, okay, I, I guess I did good. I still couldn't accept the praise. I couldn't yeah. accept the fact that I did something good. You know, I um, I, I have some other. You know, I love my father. Uh, he was a great man, but he was also an alcoholic, yeah. um, a career army guy that demanded perfection from his kids, and I didn't deliver a lot. Mm. Um, and I was not abused. I don't want anyone to think, oh, he's no, not at all. But the reassurance that I think children need. Yeah. really wasn't there if it wasn't a, a straight a then it wasn't good enough you know what i mean yeah but when you know someone still tells me hey you're getting put in for war okay but why i just did yeah. what i was supposed to so that's how i felt back then so anywho i found out i was in silver star we come back from iraq and i get pulled into the company office and at that time captain oh crap what was his name anywho i forgot his name he pulls me in. He goes, "Hey, Doc, I was already been. I'd already been called a piece of shit uh, sailor before that <laughs> deployment, right? You're, he's a piece of shit. He's worthless. He's not worth your time in the field. He's great. He's a great corpsman. Uh, if you're sick, if you get injured, you, yeah, you want Doc Fonseca to treat you. But his his sailor, his time after work is too much of a headache. Don't deal with them. So I already had that mindset, right? Like I said, uh, I, I left home feeling not good enough for, for someone." For my father, then I joined the yeah. military, and then I'm getting called the same thing by my sergeant, by my sergeant major, my battalion colonel. They all told me this straight to my face: "You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit." So my company commander calls me and goes, "Hey, uh, Fonseca." He goes, "Um, as you probably already know, you got put in for the Silver Star." I said, "Yes, sir." He goes, "But because I don't think he called me a piece of shit that that, that time." He says, "But because <laughs> you're because you're." You're such a troublemaker because this or because of something goes, we've downgraded to a bronze star. So just be happy that someone like you is even getting an award. <laughs> Classic, dude. Yeah. So I said, Roger that, sir. I found out 2-8 needed a corpsman to go to. They were slated for UDP. Yeah. So I call. I I It was maybe like a day or two later when I found that out. So I, I walk into the BS and I tell my HM1, uh, well, he's a, yeah, HM1, HM1 Cartier. And I said, hey, HM1, I said, hey, 2-8, I found out I was going on another deployment of four months. Can I please volunteer? I need to get out of this battalion. If I'm not PCS and I need to leave. And he agreed. He goes, yeah, you need to get out of here. He goes, honest, no, Fonseca goes, 
I don't know how many people are going to want to take you right now. And I said, okay, whatever. I said, can we please just make the phone call? Yeah. So he made the phone call and retired uh, chief Pat Thompson. He was at H and one at the time, H one Pat Thompson got the phone call and said, yeah, send them on over here. So H and one calls him back in the office. Hey, Fonseca, a two, eight will is willing to accept you. Just know they're not going to Japan anymore. They're going to Afghanistan in four months. You still want to roll with them. And I said, yeah, I just need to get out of my baton. I said, yeah. Nice. So while I'm in Afghanistan, HM1, and then there was another master sergeant, which I don't remember his name, would pull me in periodically and say, hey, you're getting submitted for a very high award. And I kept saying, yeah, it's a bronze star with valor. It's not that yeah. high of an award. Like, And I'm not trying to say anyone that has a bronze star with valor, mm -hmm. but that's just how I felt at that time. I was like, it's, yeah. is it really that high of an award? I would be like, it's not that high like yeah. and i would and I, I even think i remember back then thinking to myself it's not a medal of honor like what's <laughs> okay, big deal um so i i went to afghanistan with 2a um we came home in 2004 june july of 2004 i got i pcs just across the street to the hospital there in lejeune yeah. for short duty and yeah in august i believe august of that year um, HM2, uh, Kelly Gregory. Yeah. HM2 Gregory. She pulls me in the office, her with HM1, um, and chief Brooks. And, uh, they're like, Hey Fonseca, are your dress white squared away and ready to go? So at this time I'm coming from division, been NJP twice already. Uh, you know, uh, I get told I'm the piece of shit. So my uniform's always squared away. It always has been. Yeah. I always thought in my head, you know what? If at least my after hours are going to get me in trouble, at least when I walk into people's office, I'm going to be the best presentable. <laughs> I'm coming here looking clean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Spin shine boots. I mean, the creases sharp back then. You know, we used to yeah. start our camis. Um, and I was like, yeah, chief, you know, my stuff's always squared away. My, my uniform's always going to go. I will go home. And it's like, this is honest, like 9, 10 in the morning. They're like, go home, make sure it's squared away. I'm like, okay. So I go home. <laughs> I, I'm looking at my uniform. I'm like, all right, so I'm like a free day. And so I show up the next morning. Same thing. Fonseca, is your uniform really squared away? Is it good to go? Yes. Like, so finally I asked him, I said, what's going on? And HM2 kind of looks at Chief and HM1. And she's like, should we just tell him? And Chief's like, I think we just have to. And I'm like, tell me what, Chief? And I, at this time, I'm expecting like the worst news. I'm expecting, you know, like... Oh, dude, I don't know what to I'm get me again. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to cast you on something. And so he goes, the secretary of the Navy is flying down on Thursday to present you your award. And I said, the secretary of the Navy's presented me with my bronze star with valor. Like that doesn't make sense to me. And so they, everyone takes another deep breath, looks at each other. And the chief says, no, Fonseca, you're being presented with the Navy cross. And I'm like, what? As in the Medal of Honor, then the Navy Cross. They're like, yes. And I'm like, no way. He goes, so you need to really go home and square your uniform away. But I mean, it's already a squared away. At, at, at my mindset at yeah. that time, you know, that it can be. So I'm like, okay, chief, I'll go home. And so that's how I found out. And now, and yeah, from that moment <laughs> on, I guess it's, it's been kind of what all of y'all have seen in my Navy career been exposed to, you know? Yeah. And it's just because it's like you were what an HA on that, uh, that and, first and, deployment. Yeah. An HA because I was a frock third class that got. Mm -hmm 
my first DUI in November of 2002, right? So after <laughs> a fractor yeah. class gets busted down to an HA. So when a lot of people read that and they're like, wow, an HA, an HA, I don't ever correct, especially junior sailors, because I don't ever want to deflate their motivation. Yeah. Yes, I was an HA by rank, but I was also a three-year HA at the time. You know, say so I was a yeah. class. I'd already been leading other junior corpsmen, training them just yeah. in case the balloon ever went up. Um, so, but you know, I don't ever want to stop a young HR HA when they're reading and they're like, "Wow, you're just an HA." I don't ever want to say, "Well, yeah." But no, I just yeah. say, yeah, you know, we can all do tremendous things, you know, as, as long as we apply ourselves, because I do feel that at the end of the day anyways, because, hey, my senior line corpsman, not Benjamin Fleming, but the grunt senior line corpsman, HM3 Richie, I have no problem speaking yeah. his name, cowered inside of the vehicle all three times we had to run out. And I'll be like, HM3, we got more casualties. Let's go. No, no, I'm not going. All right, fuck you then. We got to, I got it. Someone has yeah. to go take care of him. Obviously, you're not. So then there is a lot of things that I could talk about that day that I know when I read the Navy cross citation, besides those 16 lines or 18 yeah. lines, whatever's on there, you know, that's a six and six and a half hour firefight for us. And I yeah. can almost tell you minute by minute in my line division, who was doing what, who, you know, I said as an HM3, who didn't perform, but young HA did. Right. And so yeah. that's why I never want to also, like I said, tell young corpsmen like yeah but this no hey yeah as an ha you can do tremendous things just put your mind to it man and do yeah. your duties it's amazing how much people don't know about stuff like that and mm -hmm. uh i've been in situations like that too where i've ex even me as a young hr whatever talking to senior thirds and sometimes it was the ones that were the, the most vocal that would be just like that dude you know they were uh <laughs> one of my buddies he was telling me yeah he was uh I think it was two one, but yeah, they were in a firefight. And then one of the dudes was hiding behind a berm crying, wasn't shooting back while everyone else was working. It's just like, bro, like I understand that sometimes fear can get the best of you, but you got to go and do what's right and do, and I don't know, you know, just do what you're supposed to do. And then but right. when he got to the hospital, the dude was talking mad shit, talking all this yep. crap. And it's like, but then my buddy told me, he's like, Hey, don't listen to him, dude. This guy's like full of it. And he told me, and I'm like, Oh, and it's just like, uh, well, it's weird, you know? <laughs> it is, it is. And you're absolutely right, you know, because they're, they're the ones with the war stories, right? They're the ones like, oh, my, my the, you know, when I was with the Marines and this and that and blah, 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 and kicking down doors and this, and, and you're listening to them, right? And you're like, oh, I, and that's why I truly enjoy when people don't know me by face or by name. Yeah. I want to say enjoy. I Let me rephrase that. Not that I enjoy it, but when I stay silent, when we're, when people are sharing war stories, right. And yeah. people don't recognize me by face or name. And you start hearing all of this bowstring, right. I did this, I did that. <laughs> I did this, I did that. And I can see my buddy or my brother or sister next to me, just itching to be like, Hey, do you know who this dude is? But I'm like, Hey, I, you know, I give them the little, you know, on the side, like, Hey, hey. I'm just listening. I'm like, Hey man, I just want to say thank you, man. I, I, I wish we had more corpsmen that were as brave as you because we wouldn't lose as many Marines as we did. I just want to say I'm humbled to even be in your presence. And I'll just walk away and I'll leave. <laughs> and, and usually, yeah, a day or two later, I'll see that person, you know, walking around and they'll kind of bow their head down. Yeah. I, I don't say nothing. I don't say, hey, you know, I just like, hey. Because I also understand too, you know, I think very recently, I want to say within the last two weeks. Yeah. 
I saw on Facebook a picture and it, it really brought into perspective, like, yeah, we really truly don't know what's going on in people's minds, right? Yeah. In people's heads. And we're going to talk about mental health as well on this yeah. as well. Um, you know, all of those stolen valor guys. Yep. Well, one of the pictures was the guy, the a very young guy that was dressed in the Air Force uniform and had the, the stack of ribbons like yeah. down to here. <laughs> but you can see in his face, he's just like that thousand yard stare that there's no life in his eyes. I found out that after that picture was posted, well, after that picture was taken, he committed suicide two weeks later. Damn. And this was back in 2014, <sighs> right? So we're in 2021. That picture still circulated. There's still people that were out there like me that look at that picture and make fun of him, not knowing his whole story. Like yeah. I said, I just recently found out his whole story about two weeks ago. This young man committed suicide in 2014. What was he losing inside of himself that he needed to personify this person on the outside, right? Yeah. That he needed to, to, to play this role and, and tell people, no, this is who I am, even though it's really who he wasn't, to yeah. either make himself feel better or feel alive, you know? So I see it the same with those guys that, that are, you know, we're on the mess decks and we're eating chow mm -hmm. and, and people are talking about their deployments and then you get that guy that kind of just interrupts you oh, on my deployment and just starts and you're kind of listening to and you know, it's a little wild and far fetched. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we all know it. We all know the cues. We're all like, mm, it's like mm -hmm. yeah. And then we go back and make fun of them or we might make fun of them right there in their face because that's yeah. how we are on the green side, right? We'll yeah. call you out on your bullshit. You have to. <laughs> you have to, right? But then how many of us have taken the time to say, hey, well, hold on up. Why is this young man feeling the need to have yeah. to make this person to personify themselves in this way what what's hurting inside what are they missing inside that they yeah. feel that they need to fill it with this this lie with this you know um how can us as leaders let that young ha hm3 h whatever even that chief yeah. you know that that's we know is just hey look be proud of what you've done we're all part of this big machine and we make this war machine work mm. be proud of, of that piece that you're working on you know yeah um so yeah uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. And <clears throat> funny enough that you mentioned it, that just even recently there was uh, a case all over Instagram that I was kind of been buzzing about. Uh, some dude that was pretending to be a Green Beret uh, mm -hmm. had a, a lot of people in the soft community fooled. And then it turns out this dude was actually just a National Guardsman. Wow. <laughs> and he had this whole business, this whole brand, this whole, like, just whole thing, persona and everything. And everyone ate up and... Uh, a lot of my friends that were cool with this dude, they were hurt because they were like, bro, like, like, I guess he was a down to earth guy, super cool. But it's like, wh where, where's the need to like, why? Yeah, <clears throat> which is true. It's like sometimes we fail to see because it's just and I fall off all to it sometimes because I'm just like, oh, I can make fun of somebody and start <laughs> poking it. But at the same time, <clears throat> I try to slow down sometimes. And afterwards, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm a normal dude. I'm just a normal FMF guy. I guess you could say I've only done my Afghan, Iraq and ship deployment. Like I'm just an average guy. Like, there's no reason to make things up, but other people, yeah, there's definitely something that's missing either emo emotionally, mentally that brings them to that state of being that is just like, Hey, like, what's up, bro. I think that's somewhere where uh, us in general need to kind of learn to, Hey, there's a time and place to make fun of someone. And then to kind of, Hey bro, like, yeah is, that, is all that stuff true like what's up bro like do you need attention like what is happening yeah but, yeah for sure hmm. and, and the crazy thing is like you said you know and it's if if i want to say if anyone doesn't need to but 
if there's less likely reason for anyone to make up any stories would be, yeah, someone with the Navy cross, right? With nine yeah. freaking deployments. But I've been the one in conversations and people are like, oh, Fonseca, this, this, and this. And I'm like, no, that's not true, but I don't stop it. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't stop it. Or I might play into it like, yeah, you know, that it was what it was, but I don't, I don't bring the truth up because at that point in my life, I mean, that's why the reason why I drank myself to death almost for mm. 15 years, right? There's a, a void missing. And at that moment in my life, it felt like what they were saying or maybe what I might be, you know, validating of them saying was filling that void, whatever was missing. Mm. And you would think like, dude, look at your ribbon stack. Look at all your 22 years of your Navy career. What do you have to embellish about? You're right. Yeah. Now, at 40 years old, after 22 years, there's nothing I embellish about my Navy career. And I'll yeah. tell the ugly way before I tell the pretty, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, during those times when I was young, 25, 26, 27, just being awarded this award and people think that, you know, yeah, that award also means that you're this and you're that, and, or you've done this and you're done that. It's, it's for me, it did get a little bit easy to just kind of let people think what they wanted to and, and kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I think at that time as well, it was, me trying to bury my past mm. let me bury all the negative stuff because now it seems like people are trying to see me in a positive light which yeah. i felt like maybe i was missing for a long time so let me just keep feeding them that you know what i mean and and yeah and that was just another downward spiral for me as well too and we'll talk about yeah. that <laughs> no which i completely understand because i i've i've been one to uh do something like that with one of my boys and uh he, he's got a bronze star as well and uh <laughs> and i remember super cool dude uh but he became kind of a monster out of our own creation <laughs> and uh because <laughs> at our bas same thing uh i think it was after my first appointment it was after their second appointment so he got it in 2011 in Sangin, uh blown up multiple times multiple casualties double amputees saved uh his boys and everything pulled them out of a river uh, it's insane but yeah 2013 we went to afghan we came back 2014 our first boot drop uh we had like three four dudes and the same thing we'd be messing with them consistently when they'd look at our buddies like you look at a bronze star so and so you're not allowed to look at him and then he his head just got hyperinflated and it was so bad that he just became this monster in the bas and then uh it took one of our chiefs that ended up coming in and he had a bronze star as well. And he, he got promoted to first class, like from uh, his Iraq deployment in like 08 <clears throat> and picked up chief like a year after, like the dude was solid. He's a solid guy, but yeah, he told him like, Hey man, look, I get it. You got a bronze star, but look at the example that you're setting for these kids. Like, yeah, it's cool that you've done all this stuff, but you're also a fucking asshole and a douche. <laughs> let's, let, let, let's break it down a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, he was like not used to kind of, it was kind of something similar, but I can't imagine of your stature where it's just like us locally in like three, seven to now it's like everyone in the Navy, like, yeah. oh yeah, like they're putting you up on this crazy pedestal. And then now it's just like, okay, let's, where do you go from there? You know? Yeah, no. And, 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 and like you said, it's, um, on the grander scale of things, I, I want to say like, and maybe that's why a lot of junior sailors um, felt, felt a connection towards me. Yeah. Because I always heard throughout my career when people didn't recognize my face or my name, and mm. then a year, year and a half, or months later, they find out, whoa, you have a Navy cross? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. 
And like, I would have never expected, you're like, so you don't talk about it. You're the, you, well, what? And I always ask people, well, how do you want me to, do you want me to introduce myself? Hey, I'm HMO Fonseca, Navy cross recipient. I'm a badass. <laughs> no, like, yeah. you know, and, 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 but they're like, but no Fonseca, like even the way you, you're not arrogant. I'm like, well, There's no, no reason to, like, none, you know, there, and, and, and because I've seen that, you know, I have yeah. seen, you know, those, you know, um, those other men that have been awarded those valorous awards and and you see them walking down the p-ways and and junior sailors don't want to talk to them because you know they those men and women their shit doesn't stink you know like you said they're very arrogant they're very you know big-headed about you know what they've done Mm -hmm. and 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 especially towards the 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 end of the the iraq and afghanistan war so we're having less and less people going there so less awards are coming out you know um and so I just always, I think that's what made me relatable to a lot of junior sailors and just very approachable too, was that I, I was very fortunate to always stay humble, however that yeah. came about, right? Whether it was via junior sailors, whether it's because I kept making mistakes, you know, and leadership pulled me in or because I just had some really great leaders throughout my Navy career. I really have. I've had mm. shady ones too, I'm not gonna lie, but I've had for the most part, really great leaders throughout my career that kind of helped just guide me and, and, and reel me in sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, um, when I felt life was just getting a little bit away from me, so. Which is good, and I think that's one of the other things that most of the people that, <clears throat> even some of uh, our old admins have uh, worked with you like here and there, and they're like, oh yeah, dude, he's been an amazing guy, uh, even on the, that Mercy deployment or whatever. Uh, one of them was there <laughs> not to dox anyone neither but yeah he was like bro it's super amazing guy super humble and, and it made me laugh too afterwards whenever uh <laughs> facebook got kind of wild and then yeah. you <laughs> i saw those chiefs and they're like oh why it's like bro like how are you speaking without even knowing like the man dude like people get so crazy and it's just like look man like if you don't know don't just be out there like throwing craziness dude but it's it's nice to see how even just having this conversation with me, man, like just, I, I never dreamed even like 10 years ago that I'd be doing this right now. So it's good and seeing that someone that has gotten such a prestigious award has been so down to earth and been cool with everyone they work with, including other dudes that I know personally and friends that have worked with you and stuff. They're like, oh yeah, dude, Luis has always been the man since like just super humble guy. So it, it's, it's amazing, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and that's what, um, to me, you know, out of the 22 years and, 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 and like you said, those that don't know me on whether the, a personal level or on a personal level via proxy, right? So yeah. like you said, you've worked with dudes or you have dudes on your admin um, that have deployed with me or worked with me and, and can tell you those personal stories, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sure someone will tell you like, yeah, he's a very humble dude, which I think I am, but my sailors will tell you, but H1 demands excellence from us. And, and I've always Which told them good. that. I said, I demand excellence out of you because I know it's in you. Yeah. Other people might not see it. Other people, you might not even feel it. I said, but I know it's in you. And I tell them, I said, you want to know why I know it's in you? Because I never thought it was in me. And lo and behold, one day showed me that I can do some great things. And yeah, have I had bad days for sure? But I, and mm. so my sailors would say like, yeah, he's a very, he demands a lot of, out of us, but I'll also tell him too, I don't need you to skate. When, when I tell you to work, work, I'll yeah. give you the time to skate. And, 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 and those that have worked with me, deployed with me would be like, yeah, 
HM1 has told us to go home or, or go hit the racks while we're on the mercy deployment. Then Chief yeah. comes down and I've had junior sailors in the office and Chief's been like, where the fuck are the sailors? Fonseca Baba. I'm like, hey, Chief, slow down. I let him go. I'm your LPO. Well, we still need this, this, and this. Well, you didn't tell me that an hour ago when I told you I was wrapping up shop. We call them all in. <laughs> no, Chief, I secured my crew. If I have to be here till two in the morning to fix this, then that's on me. I'm not yeah. calling anyone out of their rack. And, you know, guys will tell you those stories, you know, and, and, and the, all those, you know, people, I'm not going to call them by ranks because I don't yeah. know what rank they are, but all those people that get on social media and are like, well, he, he wasn't worthy of anchors or he, you know, yeah. there's, you know, <laughs> four NJPs, he even talks about it, four NJPs. Yeah, I talk about it because it gives you fuel to be negative, but it also allows a platform from all those sailors like yourself, Mm -hmm. um, all those other things but like dude you guys have obviously never worked for this man and yep. that's why i always talk about the check in the box leadership that's all those people are to me checking the boxes mm -hmm. right like oh you need this and this and this to make chief mm, yeah according to the navy but for me like i get much more of a kick knowing that sailors call me up at two three in the morning even now that i'm retired yeah. to be like hey Luis, i just need some help man i know you're retired i'm sorry no, it's not a bother. There's a reason I haven't changed my phone number in 16 years. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no plan to change it whatsoever. Um, but to me, that to me was more to me as a sign of, 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 a, of a leader, you yeah. know, someone that their junior sailors could trust them in every aspect, whether it's personal, professional, helping develop them. And, and yeah, even at times, um, to take off the uniform, even inside of a building and then come out to me and say this, 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 and this, and me knowing like, yeah. shit, you can rule your, your Navy career is done, but I've made the decision as a leader to be like, all right, we're going to fix this, yeah. you know? Um, but this is how we're going to fix it. And if we don't go this way, then I am going to have to report things yeah. and them trusting me to be like, all right, HM1, let's get some help. All right, let's do it. You know what I mean? And, and the, now some of those people are chiefs now and some of the best chiefs that I've known. And I'm not saying it's because of me, yeah. but I at least gave them an opportunity to turn their life around. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's all anyone's ever done in my Navy career is giving me an opportunity every time I fucked up, you know? And that's why I made it to 22 years because even after all those NJPs, people saw who I was as a person, as a sailor and valued that and said, yeah. let's give them an opportunity. Let's really give them this another opportunity and and did i get more opportunities than most men and women probably should get in their navy career maybe maybe not yeah. um was it because of an award maybe maybe not i have my own opinions of it yeah. do i think i made it to 22 years and my navy cross helped me get there as far as not being kicked out of the navy for sure i do yeah. um I, I i i'm not ashamed of that but i also know people have used a lot less things to <laughs> yeah. bigger gains you know what yeah. i mean and all i want to do is continue on my navy career and it's not like i never used my award to get out of deployment or out of duty or out of city yeah. duty stations you know what i mean no <laughs> i just i used it to, to, to maintain a career man no I, I hear you on that and that's good though you're at least like you know doing all the right things and, and that's what i try to be as well try to emulate something similar it's like as long as i do right by my guys and the people under mm -hmm. me that's really all that matters because i know that at the end of the day if i can make their life a little bit easier or pass on any form of knowledge that i know <clears throat> it's gonna be good i'll take the the brunt end of things and yeah. if it just like just like you man good leaders do that it's like hey take care of your guys and then 
if you have people that aren't passing word in a timely manner, then it's just like, <laughs> you can't really be mad at everyone else when people have gone home. And it's like, nah, man, um, just like one of my old ancient ones who told me, he's like, hey, bro, just go home, dude. Work will be there tomorrow. There's yep. no reason to kill yourself over it. Mm. And uh, I used to kind of kill myself <laughs> over it. And just, but, you know, you grow older and you listen to people that you should be listening to at least. And they'll give you good advice like that. Like, hey, man, it's 1600. It doesn't matter if you're done or not. Go home. Work will be there tomorrow. It'll be fine. I know we have deadlines and all this shit, but it's not as pressing as like, you know, different deadlines like being on deployment or especially if you're out in the front lines, we have to meet certain time hacks then okay. But <laughs> if you're on shore duty, like it's not that big of a deal, but I everything also- has an extension. Yeah. Right. Everything has an extension. And what I would tell, especially now in, in this, in my final positions where you're just working admin and, and, you know, I wish I was still playing in the dirt with the young guys, but you know, you're behind a computer. I, I came to learn that I need this by close of business on Friday. What the fuck for? Are you going to work on a Saturday and Sunday? No. Oh. So <laughs> let, let me just turn it into you on Monday. You know what I mean? Like, and it was all those stupid stuff. Right now would tell sailors all the time when they would call me H1, you know, I'm in that, you're working at H1, we got this, this, whoa, whoa, calm down. Is anyone dying in front of you right now? No, H1. Okay. Did, did anyone's pay get stopped because you didn't submit a paper? No, H1. Is the building on fire? No, H1. Then everything's good to go. Why are you stressing <laughs> about it? There's no such thing as an admin emergency. Relax. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, admin, oh my God. I might have to meme that later. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's true it, but it just i don't know it's become a change of mentality maybe because you know things have started to wind down that it's just like now this paperwork all that other stuff's like no somebody so and so needs it now and you know they needed it yesterday and we're like five days behind it's like eh, yeah are we? but i don't know man it, it's just kind of crazy but <clears throat> yeah now like that you're sitting in the back kind of doing things a little bit met- uh more of the background, I guess you could say. Um, I did see a video of you from uh, Balboa doing a couple of speeches, man, for um, advocating a lot heavily for PTSD and getting help and all that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's amazing seeing someone kind of, uh, from your experience, like be so open about it. Because I know most people, especially nowadays, kind of we touched it already earlier, you know, people are scared to kind of talk about why it is that either they're lying about their service or lying about or embellishing things. And then mm-hmm. you who has done all these things are out here being open about everything that's happened throughout your life and your career. So how has that been kind of helping out like uh, you and then also the community? I know, cause it's been, it's been, it's been amazing seeing it. You, you know, and, and, and one thing that you hit Danielle right on the head is first and foremost is how has it been helping you? Mm-hmm. And selfishly, I think that's why I'm so open about it. Yeah. One thing I learned dealing with PTSD, depression, and especially uh, trying to cope with that via alcohol is um, one thing we, we talk about in AA is you have to give it away to keep it. So what do we mean? We have to give away our sobriety as far as how do we maintain sobriety? We teach other people how we've done it. So you have to tell your story, always tell your story, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, all the great things. Um, in order for that other person that's receiving your story to relate to it and be like, well, damn, if they can maintain sobriety, so can I. Yeah. So I took kind of that mentality with my PTSD and depression and, and, and every mental health aspect that I'm dealing with, right? Um, even my suicide attempts, yeah. you, you know, um, 
is it's a very selfish thing for me right now. Um, so I'm, I'm giving that information away because me reminding myself of who I am reminds me how fragile my life can really be. You know, yeah. if I let it get away, if I, if I keep these secrets bottled up, if I keep trying to, to maintain this persona of that someone that wasn't hurting for many years, mm. um, I know what that can do to me. So by me sharing my story, it's really helping me to, to remember, hey, how fragile I can be, to remind myself that, hey, I have accepted the fact that I am an alcoholic, mm. that to me, me and alcohol, um, as great of a friend that we were for 15 years, he is also that friend that if I stay with him, um, will end up taking me to my grave earlier than yeah. I want to be there. So, um, so hopefully by me sharing my story, it keeps me sane. It keeps reminding me of how fragile I could be. But also one thing I share a lot about is when we were talking about earlier, you know, I've been called a piece of shit almost as far as I can remember by somebody, yeah. right? And especially early on in my Navy career, I remember sitting at, at, at battalion, you know, stand downs or command stand downs or, or whether it's, you know, Palm flies into the command. So the whole gymnasium gets filled up, you know, or, or the yeah. force master chief comes in and, um, and nothing wrong with how they delivered their speeches. Mm -hmm. But for me, I could never relate because to me, it was always, oh, force master chief is here. He's going to talk about how great his career is, how great he's picked up rank, how we all need a study. How if you don't do your career this way, you're not going to be a chief. You're not going to be a master chief. If you want to be, you know, and how they're just great, 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 great. And they've done all these great, amazing things. Yeah. Right. And I remember looking in the audience and thinking, I don't feel that way. So I guess I'll never make it there. I'll never be a, a, a chief, a senior chief or a master chief, because I don't feel like I'm this great person that has a lot to give. Like these guys are saying that they are, you know? Yeah. And the thing that I think is debilitating about that is when you have an audience where I feel most of us feel that we're not as great as they are, right? Um, then we start questioning, well, will I ever get there? Then what should I do? Should I yeah. just, in, instead of going down this route, should I just maybe go to a C school that's going to give me a good job once I get out or should I, you know, and I think yeah. we start maybe not necessarily crushing dreams, but not helping sailors reach some of their fullest potential. So hopefully by yeah. me sharing my story, it allows also junior sailors to be like, Hey, you know what? If this dude can hurt, if anything, right. Yeah. Not, not just, not just saying, Oh, if, if he can still be in the Navy after four NJPs, I can too. No, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want that message. Yeah, the yeah. message I want is to say, Hey, if this dude can hurt, even though he's done all of these things and we look at him like in the Corman community, like, Oh my goodness, this dude's. Yeah. He's a legend. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> you, 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 it's still hard for me to use those words about myself. Yeah. As you can see if this, if, if this dude is like this and if he can hurt, then I shouldn't be ashamed that I'm hurting as well. Yeah. And that's what I always felt was the shame that I have this mental pain, this mental wound going mm -hmm. on, but I'm the doc. So I shouldn't. Right. Yeah. And, and FMSS back in 99, and I'm sure still like this today, we were ingraining in our head. Doc has to be twice as good as Marines. Yep. We got to run as twice as good. We got to hump twice as good. We got to carry twice as much as weight, you know, and then in my mindset, I also came to the thinking of, 
you know, Marines always make fun of us squids. Oh, freaking squid, freaking doc, yeah. lazy, they're this or that. So I always wanted to fight against that, you yeah. know? So with my mindset being that way, I always thought, man, now if I tell my Marines that I'm hurting, then they're going to know I'm not as great as I, they think yeah. I am. Then when this Navy cross got presented to me, it was like, well, shit, now I really can't say anything. I can't say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how am I going to now talk to anyone where it's just like everyone looks at me in this light yeah. and then you feel like you're, you're knocking yourself down from your own but yeah, yeah yes 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 you know and, and that, i think that also just comes via maturing as well and then yeah. being mentored by by other men that have been awarded uh prestigious uh awards valorous awards um but yeah it was really hard for me to 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 sit there and and some of my Marines from the 2003 Iraq deployment, I know one of your questions, we didn't touch on it, but yeah, I still keep in touch with a lot oh, yeah. of them. Um, but some of those guys didn't even know how bad I was hurting until the day I tried yeah. to commit suicide. And um, I, I attempted suicide as early as July of 2018. Damn. Three years ago, I attempted suicide, you know? Um, and it wasn't until then that I finally, that's when I realized, that's when I said, you know, with alcohol, it's a life and death sentence for me. Yeah. Either I give it up and I enjoy a lot more life or I stay on this path and I'm going to die a lot sooner than I want to. Mm. So when I came out to my Marines, it was more of, I knew we had reunions coming up. I knew I see them throughout, you know, we, we meet up and we all get drunk. It was more of me. Hey guys, I just can't do that anymore. Mm. And when one of my, and we were in a group chat or a group uh, Facebook video message. Yeah. And one of them was like, hey, doc, what happened? What's going on? Hey, we're, don't get us wrong. We're, we're happy that you're not drinking. We'll support it. And I just busted out crying. And uh, one of them was like, doc, take your time. What's going on, man? And um, finally caught my breath, like crying, like a, 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 a toddler cries when they yeah. really hurt themselves, like, <gasps> you know, and finally calmed down. I said, I just attempted suicide three days ago. Um, and they're like, what the fuck? And Matthew Beavers, who was the guy that gave my, who was my guest of honor, my guest speaker for my retirement ceremony, that day looked at the camera and said, Doc, he goes, were you in the Battle of Al Nazaria by yourself? And I'm still crying. I'm like, no, no, Matt, no. He's like, so why are you fighting this battle by yourself? Mm -hmm. And it clicked. <laughs> it clicked. And I was like, he's absolutely right. We talk about these internal battles and not, not losing the war back home. Mm -hmm. So why am I fighting this by myself? Why do I feel that I need to, to go on this path alone? Because I shut everyone down out. I've shut yeah. out friends, family, my wife, my kids. They didn't, they knew I was hurting. They, they, my, especially my friend that lives with me saw it day in and day out how bad I was hurting. But when they would ask me, no, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Yeah, you know, just whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, even my suicide, I mean, even my suicide caught my wife off guard. That's how well yeah. I was able to, to keep a lot of things, even from people that sleep, you know, yeah. inches away from me every day, you know? Um, but yeah, he, he came out and was like, so why are you fighting this by yourself? And so, like I said, it just clicked. And that's when I said, you know what? I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't yeah. pretend to want to be this great H&M that I, in my mind, feel that maybe so many people want me to be. And I was like, all I can be is who I am, man. And I've already, yeah. I'd already kind of started doing that anyways, you know, but, uh, and that's when really was just like, not that making chief wasn't important to me. It's just, 
it wasn't important enough for me to go kill myself over it anymore. No, for sure. It, it wasn't important enough for me to leave my family on weekends when I've already worked five days, 16 hour work days for five fucking days. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it wasn't important enough for me to leave my office when my sailors are already bitching and complaining that the chief's never around because they're doing chief things. Mm. So now what? H&1's not going to be around because he needs to go do H&1 things and go sell fucking baked goods. (laughs) Yeah. And let's be honest, you know, everyone's, oh, it's more than just selling cupcakes. It's a camaraderie. It's a networking. You know what? I never sold fucking baked goods a day in my Navy career. And I had a great fucking networking system. You know what I mean? (laughs) yeah so so to me yeah it wasn't important enough for me to to, for my sailors to feel like well where's the leadership and to tell some young hm2 that yes even though i've trained and i think i've trained them good hey run shop now give me a call if you need anything because i hated that when i was a young hm3 i was a young hm2 and i hated that as an hm1 hey Hey, I'm going to be doing chief things. I know what that means. You're either going to be at home or you're going to be at some, you know, outside yeah. chief command, you know, bowling or playing golf oh. or, you know what I'm saying? So I yeah. know what that means. And then I also know what it means. Like when you get told that and you're in the leadership position and you make leadership decisions, why didn't you call me before you made that decision? Because you're calling me, you're leading petty officer. Let me fucking lead. Yeah, just- I don't need to call you to make a decision. You know, like, so with all that in time, I, I think that's why I share my story so much mm. because I want people to be able to relate and I want them to know, like, it's okay to say, hey, I need a timeout. I need to get yeah. myself healthy again, whatever aspect, whether it's physical or mental. And, and I tell sailors this a lot now, too, is the Navy's been here 250 years before we ever came on this earth. Guess what's going to happen after you die? The Navy's going to be here another, yeah, way before you. I said, so who are you going to value? Who are you going to want to value your life? Your immediate family or somebody in Washington, D.C. that for you, all you are is a number because there's a thousand other Luis's Fonseca's knocking on recruiters doors right now waiting to get in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something that people, I I don't know. I try to be better about it as well. And even then, um, you're hundred percent right. Like you have to put your own health and priority. And yeah, even for me going through FMTV in 2011, same thing. Yeah. Even course school 2010, Hey, doc is supposed to be good. Your, your mom, dad, uh, mm-hmm. you're everything to you. like your Marines. You know what I mean? Your financial advisor, your life advisor, your spiritual guidance. And yeah, yeah if you don't have somebody else to talk to, then it's hard because you take all this stuff in other people's problems, your own problems in as well. And if you don't have a, a good solid group, it, it's difficult to do it on your own. And uh, uh, now I've been a little bit more better at it. I have a, a group chat as well with some of my own uh, Corman buddies and we all like talk, even if it's just sending memes or little things. And mm. then we, we try to do reunions here and there as well to kind of keep ourselves in check. But yeah, getting that help is number one priority and dude shouldn't be so scared to because now it's just like okay your life is worth more yeah than some fucking job that's gonna be there you know what i mean like somebody's waiting to take your place so mm-hmm. just it doesn't really matter like i'd rather have you alive than you drinking yourself to death or whatever it might be and yeah it's it's hard for people to admit that but it's like hey prioritize yourself sometimes sometimes it's good to be selfish in that aspect at least the things you know what i mean yeah putting your own mental health as a priority. And then if you are going through hard times, reach out to those closest to you. And then I know, I think 
the biggest issue that I've seen when I've talked to guys is them uh, kind of like in your situation, it's hard to find someone who can relate exactly to the mm-hmm. things that you've gone through. Cause it's just like, who do I talk to? Like who has seen the things that I've seen? And then in comparison, some people have, but in the general form of sense, you got to talk to a shrink who's just going to see you as like a patient. And then you feel kind of weird because they're judging you based on these things you're telling them. But it's like, they're trying to help you, but it, it seems kind of weird, but a good set of friends, family and being open about it definitely yeah. does uh, go miles when it comes to that. You know, and, and it's a, and, and that's a hard, a hard barrier to break through. And that was one of my downfalls too, is yeah. it's not that I've never asked for help in my last 22 years. I have, I've, I've, yeah. I've asked to go to SARP even before I was in trouble, you know, and before I ever got in, you know, in trouble and, and, and two times I asked to go to SARP without it being, it was a self-referral and both times um, I got screened by DAPA. And then a week later I got told, oh, but we're not going to send you to SARP because you have to go on this deployment first. <laughs> okay. So what does, what do I do when I come back from deployment? Fuck you guys. If y'all didn't care about me eight months ago, why are you going to care about me now? Yeah. So I'm just going to do what Luis Fonseca does best and that's get drunk you know what i mean it cause trouble <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> come back from deployment as a uh well if you're not allowed to drink on deployment i guess it's kind of easy but if you yeah. are then it's just like oh now i'm drinking and on deployment double trouble <laughs> yeah 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 so and, and that's also why i say i i think i've always been a really great deployed sailor because it kept me away from the bottle for those yeah. extended periods of times and it was in garrison you know that the but yeah, you know, we shouldn't live with the stigma that that going through some sort of mental, emotional um, pain is makes you any weak. We all suffer through it. You know, we yeah. all at, at one point in our life or another, we all um, suffer some some sort of um, trauma that that might lead us down. And and one thing that I like we're saying the mental barrier of uh, working with providers with me was, yeah, I would walk into their offices and look if they're wearing their khaki uniform, I would look at their ribbons. I would look at, you know, their, if they had coins on their desk or, or awards on their walls. Mm-hmm. I would look at these doctors and, and, and try to find out how they can relate to me. And as soon as I saw that they did, they didn't have combat. They didn't have an FMF pin. Mm-hmm. Um, I dismissed them and they could have been practicing medicine for 40 years. You know yeah. what I mean? And solely dealt with nothing but combat-related PTSD. And they could have written mm-hmm. books about it and, and, and changed the, the game on how we treat PTSD. Yep. If I would have walked in the office and they didn't have a combat action or FMF, I didn't give a shit who you were. You already were shut down. There's, there's nothing you can ever tell me that, that I could ever possibly want to hear that you're going to fix me because yeah. you don't know what I've been through. The crazy thing is, is after... F- years of dealing and, and thinking that way and, and trying to reprogram my mindset yeah. on how to really ask for help. It wasn't until I went to dental battalion that it also, you know, you have those light bulb, those light switch moments, light bulb moments. Yeah. And I say this, I was talking to dental battalion about suicide awareness. It was after my suicide attempt and I was talking about suicide awareness, alcohol deglamorization, asking for yeah. help. And during that speech is when it clicked. I said, I think the only way I can put it into perspective for the dental community is this way. Just because a dentist has never had a root canal doesn't mean that they're not qualified and skilled on treating a root canal. 
know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's when I was like, yeah, these doctors have gone to school for years to help <laughs> treat me, you know, and, and in our medical profession, just because you've never been shot doesn't mean you don't have the skill set to treat a gunshot wound, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so that changed my whole perspective and how I walk into these clinicians and these doctor's offices now. Now it's not more, how can I relate to you or how can you relate to me? Now it's, all right, get your medical knowledge game strong because I'm coming into you and I'm a bad <laughs> shit, crazy motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> so let's see what you got. Yeah. And now that my mindset has kind of changed to know that, Hey, these men and women have gone through intensive training, intensive school to help treat me. Mm -hmm. And that's what their skill set is on. Hey, let me give them a chance because yeah. what I was doing before then only led me to one thing. And that was me wanting to take away yeah. my life. And for me, I always put it in, into that perspective for me personally, as well is, is I tell people when we talk about these, like for me, how much mm -hmm. worse can it get than me committing suicide? So if I've already hit that, what for me is the worst is committing suicide because I tell people what I was afraid of, which was losing respect of my Marines, losing mm -hmm. respect of my chain of command, losing respect of junior sailors, uh, losing my security clearance. Um, maybe people not wanting me to deploy with them anymore. Yeah. Um, maybe my chain of command not putting me in leadership positions because like, oh, he deals with PTSD, depression, he attempted suicide, he's an alcoholic. I didn't lose any of those things, but... If I would have committed suicide, you would have lost I would have permanently lost that and more. I would have lost yep. my life, my family, you know? So, and that's a permanent, that's not a, hey, training time out six months. <laughs> let me take a back seat for a minute. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's, there's no, like uh, Biggie Small said, I wish that upon nobody because there's no coming back from that. Yeah. You know? It's permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, it, it, it's hard. Well, once you get there and then, luckily you're still here with us bro and then you know you're able to kind of tell that story and it's good because i've been down that road but it, this was prior to the military mm -hmm. just growing up doing dumb stuff hanging around the wrong people and then you know uh you hang out with girls you date someone for like a long time you think you want to marry them and then do you ask them and they say no and you're like fuck <laughs> <laughs> and then you know uh next thing you know you're you're attempting to 22 yourself and then luckily I, I had a really good friend that kind of saved me uh during that time so like it kind of got me out of that funk and then just uh same thing alcoholism drugs all this other stuff mm -hmm. that you know people tend to go into and then even now like uh uh, good point that you actually touched up about the glamorization of alcohol. Um, right now, uh, I'm doing a 60 day challenge with one of the buddies and I think we're on the second, the second month. And yeah, we're trying to get away from that stigma of just like, hey, being a veteran is consistently drinking, being an idiot. And it's like, no, like, there's more to it than that. Mm. And just alcoholism will always lead to a bad road and then there's some people who have more control and they're able to you know just have enough and then there's some of us that truly do struggle sometimes yeah. it's just like i can't just have one it's just like hey you know what i have a whole 12 pack might as well <laughs> so it, it's it's good that you know you're kind of touching that as well it's like hey we need to get away from that that road of just hey alcohol is cool like it's okay but just know where you're at personally so it doesn't lead you down a dark path that some people don't even turn back around from as well yeah and and, and you said it perfectly too and, and and when i talk about alcohol deglamorization I, I never want to because i can also understand in the audience there's that person sitting out there that's like 
where do I fall? Am I just a casual drinker here and there? Yeah. Or am I really getting into alcoholism? And, and if you, and I feel like if you just start negatively talking about drinking, right. And that's what yeah. I think a lot of people get in the mindsets, don't do drink, don't drink, you know, at least the bad things. No, like, like you said, if you're responsible, yeah. even if you get drunk, even if, Hey, I sit at home, I have, you know, four beers, I get drunk, but my wife's right there. She never lets me take my keys. Hey, yeah. you're doing, that's not who I am though. I am <laughs> kind of how you, you said yeah. it, right? I am, well, why am I just going to have one beer? That's stupid. Like, no, I don't even get a buzz off of one beer. No. Yeah. And then it's like, well, why am I just going to get a buzz? That's stupid. No, like I want to get, and for me, it came to, when you told me, hey, let's go out and drink. It wasn't, mm -hmm. let's go to the bar, sip on a beer, have some dinner, and then we go home. No, it's, yeah. we're just going to the bar. I don't need food. That's going to keep me from getting drunk. You know, yeah. that's going to keep me from blacking <laughs> out. No, my my goal when I told people, hey, or when they told me, hey, let's go have a couple of drinks or let's go have some drinks. In my mindset, I was like, all right, that means I'm getting hammered. And that's the only way to do it. You know, <laughs> you're going to get blackout drunk and make yeah. some mistakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nah, that, that, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that also, you know, comes with, and like you said, most of us, I personally believe, yeah. and this comes from, you know, being in and out of AA for the last 12 years. Mm. Um, um, now just having what I call a true, brutal, honest sobriety. Um, most of us that drink that way is because there's there's a void that we're trying to fill yep. there's something missing there's something that we're trying to bury there's something we're trying to forget about there's most of us that drink that way isn't because life is fucking sunshine and rainbows you know what i mean there's, yeah, yeah there's some trauma there's some some grayness back there that we're trying to forget about yeah, and until we pain. work with that yeah until we work with that until we face those black clouds and say hey i really what's going on let me let me deal with it in a, in a in a non-drunken state of mind um it, it, yeah it could, like you said it could really lead us down to a very dark dark path that can you know lead us whether it's to other drugs um or you know to six feet under the ground it, i definitely believe yeah. that for sure and then divorce as well that's been the other thing as well that just it's <clears throat> because it's glamorized people are drinking blacking out going out making mistakes and then it's just like oh shit or even then your significant other at some point might get tired of all the stuff that you might be doing coming in home drunk or mm -hmm. not even coming home and then things like that and then just it, it gets extremely bad and then just but you know sometimes it doesn't always and sometimes they stick by your side yeah. and then you know you thank god and you're like oh it's like hey and then trying to find a way to appease and then find a way to kind of deal with that pain the correct way yeah. instead of just finding these alternate means of destroying yourself, you know? Yeah. And, 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 but I also think as well, like it comes down to us accepting what we might have contributed to that divorce. Yeah. So, you know, you, you hear in the military, a lot of, spouses you know my spouse this my spouse that and you know they fucked this person they fucked that person or they're this you know and yeah. I, was, I was on deployment they did this and that and when uh, people know a lot of people know like my current wife isn't my first wife yeah um been divorced myself um but one thing that shocks a lot of people is when we start talking about divorce and and, and i say this because it's been told to me to my mm. face like luis why don't you ever talk shit about your ex-wife? We know what she did. Um, 
I said, yeah, the thing is, is you know what she did because what she did was outside of our marriage. So she had an extramarital affair when I was on deployment in mm. Afghanistan. What you don't know is all of the stupid drunken nights, all of the shit that she had to deal with mm-hmm. that she didn't have to. And all of the shit that she was not getting from me, her husband, because I was too fucked up in the head, right? Because I was too stubborn to get help. So yeah, it led her to go look for that from somebody else. So now as a 40 year old man, and even back then, maybe about 32, 33 is when I started really thinking about everything. Mm. I was like, so yeah, I can see what I did to cause my spouse to go look for something that she should have had at home from the very beginning. Um, So I can accept that. I can accept that. Now, when I was a young 23, 24 year old man, could I know? And that's why after that happened, that to me, and and I would tell my ex-wife this all the time. And I, that to me gave me the, 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 um, the okay to go stick my dick in whatever I wanted to, you know, (laughs) because anytime it was put in my face, Oh, but you remember when you fucked that dude when I was in, and deployment and i got blown up on that deployment yeah remember i tried calling you from the hospital but you're out clubbing with your boyfriend at that time so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i would throw that in her face yeah. right but like i said three years prior to that she never did anything wrong she was just yeah. looking for that love that her husband when he said i do should have been given her you know what i'm saying yeah. she was just looking for that respect that her husband at that time when he said i do should have been given her you know yeah. and, and and that's what I think puts a lot of bitterness in divorces is we throw the blame on everyone else, but we never just self-reflect and be like, what did I truly do to cause this or to try to help it? Yeah. You know? And if you can't sit there and say, well, I did this, this, and this, if you just sit there and say, well, no, I was a, the perfect husband and you're lying to yourself. You know what I mean? You're never yeah. going to better yourself as a person. A lot of people have a lot of that problem seems like a little bit more recently of uh, assuming responsibilities for your own actions and then mm-hmm. just kind of looking at the overall picture of things. And just like you said, it's just like, hey, people don't just do things uh, unless they do. <laughs> but yeah. most of the time, it, it, it's over a time period. Yeah. And it's like, what were you doing? And this can go for either man or woman or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you doing that's causing the other person? And it's not usually just to blame, but sometimes it is our own actions where it's like, where am I falling short? That now it's caused all these issues. But yeah, people definitely sometimes got to look internally before they kind of start pressing outwards because then that's usually where they find uh, most of these issues kind of lie and then they can kind of start fixing those. And then it works and it helps them grow. And then for their next marriage or maybe their next relationship, it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot better and they're more self-aware of these things. And even then, for myself as well i try to be aware of the things that i do and how i am so then that way i can be you know a better person as well and be yeah a better significant other <laughs> yeah and, it, and it's hard right it, it takes a uh, a lot of work and a lot of just self-awareness and, and being brutally honest with who you are yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with that especially if you want to you know grow yourself and mature yourself and, and and we do it in all aspects of our life i mean even in 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 our Navy job, right? If, if you want to, to better yourself as a corpsman, you don't go and just keep doing an IV stick that, you know, you can get a hundred times blindfolded, you know, Mm. being flipped over in a Humvee. No, you go, Hey, HM2, HM1. I see you're doing this. I've never done this. Can you teach me? Yeah. So you recognize that you have a shortcoming of yourself. 
And then you go seek on how to better yourself. And that's how we, and that's with all aspects of life, marriage, uh, friendship relationships, you know, um, work relationships and and skill sets. Hey, where, where do I feel like I might be coming a little short and how, where are the resources to make me better? That's a great thing about, you know, technology nowadays, everything's at our fingertips where we can find a resource, whether you want to do it like we're doing now, you know, via over social media or, Oh, here's an office that does this. Let mm. me book an appointment. Boom. Here's a workshop, right? Here's a, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. Here's a workshop. I don't know anything about entrepreneurship. Mm. Let me sign up for it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. People just have to have a little bit of courage just to kind of be able to reach out and be like, Hey, I need to find these things. And now it's, uh, we have everything that's so easily accessible because, mm. you know, the technologies of nowadays where you have a mini computer in your freaking hands and you can just look up all these things and it's people forget that it's more than just to be looking at memes and uh, social media and Facebook it's like bro there's so much more that you can use and there's even amazing apps that kind of help with a a lot of stuff like that too with like PTSD sleep stuff as well counselings and stuff like that so people need to kind of branch out a little bit more and and that's where you know maybe me and a couple other pages need to be better putting more resources out there so that way people are like hey don't be scared to kind of reach out or even talk to us as well because there's been times where I've been up at three in the morning and I'm like talking with someone and the same thing and it's just like hey I'd rather be up late and talking to someone make sure they're okay than not answer a text or a phone call or even a dm and sometimes people will be calling I'm like fuck I'm gonna answer hey what's up man like hey doc can you talk I'm like yeah dude so it's 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 amazing how much technology kind of helps us but then people also have to not get too drawn into it to where it's distracting and not helping out the problem as well yeah and and, and you're right you know we all have to know where our boundaries are with Mm -hmm. that and and that's why you know my boundaries because i know i can get i can get really into the weeds on it um because like you said people don't know my whole story right and and um they don't know the personal stuff the the behind closed doors they don't know um that's why I don't get into it with people on social media when, when it comes to the, oh, he didn't make chief because he even says it for NJPs. He's not deserving of it or, or yeah. he must not have cared enough or he didn't try or, you know, <laughs> I just let him vent, right? Because first and foremost, I know that, A, I'm not going to change their opinion. Yeah. B, that person typing in, this is going to sound really shitty. Their existence in my world is so in- insignificant why would I give them any sort of satisfaction? Yeah. Satisfaction, yeah. <laughs> I, I I read their comments and I just take a deep breath and I move on about my day, yeah. because they don't know my story. But you know what? Um, maybe a little egotistical right here, right now, big headed. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's my name they're speaking, not theirs. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, because you can go up to almost any corner and be like, hey, who's Lee Sponseca? Like, they're like, like, the Lee Sponseca? Yeah, okay, 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 okay. Who is so-and-so? Huh? (laughs) But yeah, man, it's uh, it's true. It's like some people don't know, and it's just because maybe they drank too much of the tea, you know what I mean? Mm. They're just all about that that anchor life or whatever. So, (laughs) And hopefully, if anything, you know, we always, well, not we always, but it's been said throughout the Navy, probably since the Navy first started, always leave the Navy better than than when you found it, right? Yeah. And I would like to think I did, um, 
but maybe even after post-retirement, if anything, if the whole controversy about why didn't he pick up anchors, if anything, if it at least allows the Navy just to take a step back and really reevaluate how we're selecting chiefs, yeah. you know, then, hey, what more could I have asked for after 22 years, you know, then yeah. to at least maybe have a segue for big Navy to say, hey, hey, maybe we need to rethink on this whole evaluation system and this whole how we're going to select chiefs because we all know it. A shitty E6 is going to make a shitty E7. Yep. You know, and six weeks of a transition is not going to change that. And even them putting on a star or a second star is not going to change them being it chitty ass. And, and we see it all the time. And even mm-hmm. in, within their mess, you know, the chief's mess, they see it all the time. And and the sad yeah. thing is, is you have a, a shitty chief that can get fired from four different positions. And I know this firsthand because I've been the one that has been put in writing and I have the 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 letters from my directors that says as an E6, I am putting you as my departmental LCPO. And I'm at Balboa, there's 300 something chiefs. Why don't you get another chief? You're getting an H1, right? So that's another thing that naysayers don't realize. I've worked in the capacity of a chief by an appointment letter, you know? So anywho, but yeah, then, you know, you get these chiefs that get fired three or four times from being Mm -hmm. the LCPO, but they just get moved from one department to another. Where's the retraining? When does the Navy finally say, hey, you know what? I think we fucked up selecting you as a chief. You need to go back and learn how to be a leader. You know, yeah. like, no, we we can't entrust you to, to lead sailors. We've already fired you from four positions, but that never happens. They just get moved around until the PCS, right? And or yeah, maybe retired. that, or force retired, <laughs> right? And yeah, maybe that command master chief might call up Bob and say, hey, Bob, you know, mm-hmm. Jimmy's coming and, He's just an E7 at our command, you know? So you know what that means, dude. And, but what does that happen? Once that chief gets that new command, then they're not going to put him in an LPO position, right? No. Because the Navy doesn't want to say, hey, look, he's a shitty chief. They're going to put him in a chief's position. And what's going to happen? He's just going to get fired from that position over and over again. Just repeat and like, the cycle. Yep. Yeah, you know? So where's the retraining? Because we have no issues retraining E6s all the way down to E1s, right? We have yep. no issue saying, hey, you sucked as an HM2. Go back to what was Poslick in my t- days. Yeah. Now it's what continuing leadership or whatever. Uh, it changes yeah. so much. Intermediate, yeah. Immediate leaders yeah. development course or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> so we have no issue saying, "Hey, we're going to revoke that cert. You're going to have to go back to be retrained." But we don't mm-hmm. do it with t- top leadership, you know. And even then, those trainings are so cookie cutter. It's just yeah. like, "Hey, we got this hypothetical situation." I mean, the one I went through wasn't too bad. But because I don't know, I, I I like to be honest, more honest than I possibly should too. be. But then it sometimes it gets me in trouble. But then sometimes like people are like, okay, so go ahead, continue your point. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then other people are like, uh, they get all nervous. And it's just like, mm-hmm. no, so, sometimes you have to be honest about mm-hmm. things. And then people get really weird because they want to give the correct political answer. So that way they look good in front of whoever is teaching. Yeah. And it's just like, no, this is your chance to be yourself, to be you and show what kind of leader. Are you going to give them what they want or you want, you're going to give them what you think is right and the direction mm-hmm. things should be moving. And people forget that, including like Chiefs Smith, because I've worked with even where I'm at and I've, I have some amazing Chiefs and then other Chiefs that are just like the same thing. It's like, bro, like, really? Like, <laughs> but it's, I can't imagine seeing things on their side because I've talked to a few that are not retired. They're like, if you're if you're a good dude stuck in a bad place and uh, 
you, there's not much you can do. And then they single you out and then you're on your own, bro, even yep. for chiefs. And uh, yep. one of them was at Balboa, actually, funny enough. Super amazing chief, down to earth dude, didn't play the game. And he's just like, no, bro. Like, he's like, if you're you like that, you're never going to make it. But he's like, why do you want to make it into something that's completely fucking backwards? You know what I mean? He's like, just worry about you taking care of your guys. And if you don't pick up chief, who cares, man? Like, there's a lot that needs to change. And I know people are going to get fucking mad at me for this, but hey, maybe it's time to take that look inside and look at each other. You know what I mean? Because it is the same. It is, you know, and, and, and the sad thing is, is when you have this all personal opinion, right? I'm not saying this is that I've done some statistic work or anything, but when I personally feel that junior sailors do not aspire to be chiefs anymore, then the chiefs mess and they know it. They know it. I mean, there's been articles about it. You know what I mean? So it's not a secret. So when there's, you know, even Navy times is writing articles talking about junior sailors are not inspired to be chiefs anymore. When do you as a chief's mess start taking a step, really a step back and saying, hey, what the fuck are we doing here, ladies and gents? You know what I mean? Yeah. But they don't. It's like, I mean, I made it, right? That's what we always hear. I made it. I made it. I'm a chief. I made it, you know? And even then, (laughs) even then, they'll, yeah. Hey, so how do I become a chief? I don't know, man. Like, Either I picked it up my first time or they'll be like, I don't know. I just, after seven submissions, I finally got selected. I got, or I've heard the stories or I even got to the point where I stopped submitting a chief's package two years ago because I just got tired of hoping I got selected and I finally got selected, you know? So who knows? But anywho, yeah, I mean, we really need to take a step back and, 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 and uh, inspire these young men and women to, to be good leaders in the Navy. And yeah. how do we do that is by first and foremost, making sure those that are already leaders are leading properly. Yeah. And in a command master chief once, uh, Craig Hodges, um, when I was at Dental Battalion, I didn't make chief, uh, uh, I didn't get uh, board eligible one year. And it was the last year before they were changing it to first classes and go to 22 years. Mm. And he asked me, he goes, HM1, he goes, how do you feel about not being boarders? Well, he already knew because yeah. my chief pulled me in that morning. He was like, hey, you didn't make board. I was like, okay, cool, whatever, don't give a fuck. And he was like, <laughs> Fonseca, why don't you care? And so he already told him, I said, you know what, man, chief, it's, it's to the point where I get tired of trying to put all my eggs in a basket when at the end of the day, I'm gonna take off this uniform for good and I should have been planning for that four or five years from now. And I'm content. I'm happy. Like, I don't yeah. feel like I miss. And he, he told me there, he goes, so how do I start making better leaders? Cause we were talking about the whole leadership thing. Yeah. And I said, honestly, he goes, start putting those people that want to truly lead sailors in those positions. He goes, cause the question he asked goes, I got first classes. that don't want to run dental clinics. They don't want to be the LPO of clinics. So how would you fix that? I said, so start asking your second classes who wants to be LPOs. And I said, and that first class has one of two options. Either they fall in line and listen to an HM2 Mm -hmm. or they get their head out of their ass, tighten up their bootstraps and become leaders. That's as simple as that. I said, stop putting people in positions just because they have rank. And I told him right then and there, I said, we have chiefs that are LCPOs that you know 
very well should not be leading sailors, Command Master Chief, but you don't remove him from that position because it sets a bad statement. Yeah, our president (laughs) to our junior sailors. I said, how about we stop that and start putting a good president statement to our sailors saying, we're going to put the right people in the right positions, regardless of your rank. Because even Marines do that. It's like, yeah. bill it over rank. Sometimes the most qualified dude can be a more junior, like Lance Cooley. Mm-hmm. And you see them as squad leaders. And it's just like, if Marines can do that. And they can lead corporals and even sergeants. It's like, technically they fall under us. We can do the same thing. Yeah. And you made a good point. It's like, either they learn or, hey, get out of the way, bro. You either yeah. with me and you're helping or just, hey, Get in line, man, because I know there's a lot of hungry, like, second classes, third classes. Like, hey, oh, he doesn't want to do it? Hey, I'll take that billet, bro. Mm-hmm. I'll do that job. And it's better for me, better for me to advance. So it's like it opens up opportunities to everyone underneath that has been waiting on something like that. Instead of filling all these seats for no reason, just yeah. because, like you said, well, he's got the rank. So, but that doesn't mean anything. Having a rank does not equate being a good leader. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to step on a lot of toes, but it, that's the reality. It is. Rank, and, and, rank isn't everything. It isn't, you know, and, and that's why even, you know, to this day, I have like, just like you have, you know, friends that have surpassed this in rank and, and I'm mm-hmm. very happy for them. I, you know, um, I've always kind of said success is great, but it's so much better when your friends come along with you. Yeah. So my friends that are chiefs, senior chiefs and master chiefs now that left me behind because I was a knucklehead. Uh, I'm very grateful that they made it that far and I'm very yep. happy for them. And, and I pray and, you know, I congratulate them, you know, but yeah, you know, if we're not putting the right people to lead our, our, our men and women, we're, we're just debilitating ourselves. We're, we're, we're hindering our progress. And, and, and like you said, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of great ideas and, and this young sailor coming in nowadays. I mean, these young sailors will make me step up my game. I had the young sailor, so there's a young HN man who spoke seven languages, who had a master's degree, who looked at <laughs> HM2 Fonseca and straight up told me to my face, HM2, no disrespect. And we already know what that means. That means you don't think shit of me anyways. He goes, no disrespect. He goes, but I have a master's degree. I speak seven languages. I own my own business before the whole market crash in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, what can you really teach me? on how to be successful. And I was like, you know what, you're right. I understood his question. I understood it wasn't how to be successful in the Navy, but just how to be successful as a person. Mm -hmm. And I understood that. A lot of people could have been like, what do you mean? I've been in the Navy so many years. I'm a Navy cross ship and I got five deployments at that time, I think it was. Five deployments, I'm a sick call guru. I'm I'm gonna show you what I can (laughs) teach you. No, I understood his question. Yeah, I understood that for him, how can a high school dropout that has no desire in pursuing college, right? This is what he saw. Mm-hmm. Someone that didn't have a, a desire in pursuing college, so didn't have a desire to further my education, yep. that stuck just doing what he felt comfortable doing, sick call for the last 10 years, right? <laughs> yeah. How am I going to train a young man to be successful in life? And that's also when my mentality started changing where I felt that I, as an LPO, my job isn't to say, hey, this is how we're going to make you successful in the Navy. My job is to say, hey, hey, brother, what do you need from me as your leader to make you a successful human being? Whether that's in the Navy or out of the Navy, that doesn't matter to me. My 
important is what can I do to make you successful? And that's what I feel a lot of these leaders forget when we talk about being the genuine leader, when we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, sitting down and, 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 and really getting to know your sailors and, and, and how do we harness those, maybe those knuckleheaded sailors? Cause I've heard it throughout my career too, is, oh, well, we send them to, to, to NJP. We send them to, to SARP. We did our job, Master Chief, but no one, very few people ever pulled me to the side on a daily yeah. basis or a weekly basis. Just said, hey, Luis, how's life going today? You know, yeah. very <laughs> few. You know, and, and so that's how I, my mindset just started changing, especially with these young sailors like, okay, let me go get an education. So I got my bachelor's, uh, uh, my associates in science, and I'm working on my bachelor's in biology. Nice. Very, very, very boisterous about that. Not because I wanted to my own horn, but because when people know how I talk about myself, like, hey, I'm a high school dropout. I felt like I've been a piece of shit my whole life, but I'm still trying to better myself. Let's do yeah. it, you know, and, and, and. And I can't sit there and tell junior sailors, use the Navy for everything that they have. Go get your education. If I'm just sitting in the back being a mediocre person. Yeah. I can't expect excellence out of my sailors if I'm just sitting back being a mediocre person, writing the coattails of one day of my 22-year life, you know, per se. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, so... I don't know where that tangent came from, but yeah. <laughs> no, but, but but that's a really honestly good perspective to, to kind of have, because even I forget that sometimes too, I need to be uh, better at going back to college and all that. But yeah, it's just um, one day does not, it's not going to equate the rest of your life. Like mm-hmm. granted, it was a, a crazy thing and everything that you experienced, but yeah, you, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You have to do more than just that. And if not, you get caught up with all this, uh, it becomes your persona of just well the same thing kind of what happened online with Dakota Myers <laughs> yeah I don't know if you're familiar with that whole situation yeah yeah yeah, yeah and just, he's like talking crap about people practicing like on the range with gear and everything yeah it's just like hey let people be people bro but yeah. just because you have like a medal of honor which is like which like it's cool you got awarded you got to present it the whole nine but it's just like you're more than just that dude you're more than just like a medal of honor recipient yeah. like so it's good that you know you you understand that and then other people can Thank see you. that as well that it's just like hey we're more than just a one day or an award or a degree or this or that mm-hmm. and it's uh it's, it's breathtaking to kind of <laughs> hear from someone uh you know what i mean <clears throat> Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, and, and, and you're right. You know, it's, um, when I was in Iraq in 2005, was it my 2005 deployment? Yes. I was actually an IA with second medical battalion and I was running convoys. So, um, and the convoys I was running out of was, um, all made up of reservists, all of them reservists. And, Hey, us active duty guys who make fun of reservists, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Weekend warriors, oh, who are yeah. you? But once I started talking to these men and women on what they do in their civilian life, yeah. right? I came to realize that some of these men and women that they're looking at me because I'm the doc, like, you're a paramedic. You see this shit day in and day out. I just practice on a daily basis for that one day when it when shit yeah. hits the fan. But you run codes every day or you're, you know, a, 
you know, uh, uh, might be a nurse in your civilian life. You know, um, there was one guy that's a PA, but in the Marine Corps Reserve, he's a fucking mechanic. You know <laughs> what I mean? So like, we forget that some of these men and women have a much deeper skill set, you know, yeah. um, and, and whatnot. And, and that their and, rank or position or whatever might not always reflect what they actually know in real life. Yeah, exactly. the Navy is a weird like at that. Especially even... the Corman community. <laughs> and that's that's where I was going to go with. You know, I think in our community, we're the biggest egotistical. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we think we can do everyone's job. And I never understood that. Like the Navy has YNs, PSs. So why are we getting young E2, HAs, HNs to go work in these admin shops? And then we get frustrated with these young HNs because they don't know the intricacies on how this documentation is supposed to be processed because they're not PSs. <laughs> but that's why we train PSs, you know what I mean? Yeah. But in the community, we think the Navy has to offer. We can do anyone's job and everyone's job. And, yeah. and it, it, it doesn't work that way, man. Like, and I we get it's also due to manning as well. Just, hey, we're short people. Well, we, there's an extra corpsman. Just throw that yeah. in there. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's sometimes what happens too, and it's uh, and and again it goes back to leadership. It's like no, that's not his. That's not his job. Mm-hmm. Just no, and then when they end, if they end up in admin for however long, and then their next duty station is greenside. It's like, well, why don't you know anything? Well, I worked admin my whole career. Then it's like, it you do a disservice to that poor kid. But yeah, that but that could be debilitating too. And and I mean, shit. After 22 years, I got tired of hearing that the Navy advancement system is going to change, especially the Corman one, because we have so many NECs within the Corman community. But yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. You you, you see guys, and and I'll raise my hand and be, yeah, I am one of those guys. One of the reasons why, towards the end of my Navy career, I was so ready to retire was because I stopped having fun. You know, yeah. they no longer allowed me to go play in the dirt, to kick down doors. And maybe that's why Navy SEAL guys and EOD guys and SWIC guys, you know, love their job and, and you know, do 20, yeah. 30 years because, you know, you can still be kicking down doors as a senior chief. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but in the Corman rate, you can. And and I once told Navy Times when I first got awarded my Navy Cross or like. They asked me something along the lines of what do you want to do in your Navy career or something like that? And I said, if the Navy allowed me to just be greenside for the next 20 years, I'd be the most happiest Corman the Navy ever had. <laughs> and throughout my career, even though I've gone to different duty stations and I have definitely enjoyed it and loved it, you know, I tell sailors all the time, um, mm-hmm. my ship, my three years on board the USS Baton was probably my most rewarding because it gave me a sense of being a sailor, you know, yeah. which was the organization uh, joined. Um, but also an appreciation of being a corpsman on a ship because I knew what it took those engineers to keep that ship moving forward. I knew what it took those CSs to feed, you know, the whole crew day in and day out and everyone else that, that helps keep that ship afloat. But towards the end of my career, yeah, like all I wanted to do, and and it sucked too, because out of my hands, my wife is an IDC. Well, she's retired now, but she was an IDC. So as a quad zero eighty four four, my career traced her at that point, right? Yeah. So my last three duty stations were back to back shore duty. Even though I called the detailer, I sent multiple emails like, "Hey, SEAL Team Seven needs, you know, SEAL Team Five needs a HM one, um, log Sue, EOD, 
first Mar did, first, you know, regiment. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll keep that in mind. And then they send me shore duty. So when I come up with, hey, I need to go back to sea. I'm, and, and I would, I wanted to, I wanted to end my career at first Mar Div. The reason yeah. being is because if I could have retired from there, first and foremost, I was hoping to have been selected for chief. And I always wanted my Navy career to end as a battalion chief. I started yeah. as a Navy corpsman at a battalion. I wanted to end it as a battalion at a battalion. Yeah. But also because I could have truly honestly said that I served with all divisions. So even yeah. though in 2003, I was a second Mardiv, we were attached to Task Force Tarawa, which was led by 1st Marine Division. I was never really PCS to Blue Diamond. Yeah. But I have been with 2nd Mardiv and 3rd Mardiv. So I really wanted to be able to say, hey, I hit all three divisions in my career. You Get know? that trifecta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But, you know, that's like I said, I think the Army has it. And I don't know. I don't know the, the other branches, how they work. But from my understanding, an Army medic could be a field Army medic his whole 20 years yep. and still be successful. You know, and, and I just don't see why, like, hey, if I just want to be boots on ground, and, and when it comes time for shore duty, maybe go teach at a at the FMTB or, F, you know, at the A school. Yeah. Why can't I not do that and still be successful? So, yeah, really towards the end of it, it really, the fun just left because I just got tired of walking into a building and just sitting behind a computer. Very good. Yeah, towards, yeah, towards that end, like you're, you're an HM1, you've been in like 22 years and it's just like, this it should be yeah you hit e6 in the navy as a corpsman and then you're behind a desk now mm. it's just like that's it no more and then sadly you know you didn't pick up chief but i think it's um i think it's all right and then you retired with red stripes was yeah possibly, that was probably one of the coolest things ever because i remember when the article came out it was like hey now you can uh have gold or red doesn't really matter and you're like <laughs> I think I saw somewhere on Facebook, you're like, nah, fuck that, dude. I'm retiring in red. I've been having red. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, it was like, it was amazing kind of seeing that moment. You know, it's, um, the reason being is um, I'm not ashamed. Yeah. And, and that's what pissed me off when that M, that chief, she's a musician. Yeah. And so, yeah, here it goes to me being a grown corpsman. You're a fucking musician, Chief. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. You're going to write an article about how making sailors wear red stripes is like having them wear their scarlet red letter. Go back to playing your fucking flute. You know? Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and so that's what pissed me off. Is like I never took it as a as a sign of I'm being shamed or, or you yeah. know, I'm wearing the scarlet letter. No, when sailors were like, h one what the hell? It, it was a segue for me to be like, I'll, I deal with this. I deal with depression, alcoholism, or, or I made a, I had the perfect plan. Mm. My, my DUI in 2013, I had, that's what people think. They think I'm just as, yes, I was a big drunk. Yeah. Um, but I also was able to successfully hide it from the Navy because I wasn't as like in your face like I didn't walk into the BS every morning. Ah, fuck you, chief. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't drive to work every morning still hungover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but my last, my DUI in 2013, which is what I believe prevented me from ever picking up chief after that was um, I had the perfect plan. I, I, I had a 12 pack, uh, took it to my friend's house. We're barbecuing. I had two beers in the matter of four hours was 
not planning on staying, but my buddy's like, hey, we haven't seen you since dive school. Why don't you stay for a little bit? Yeah. Hey, am, do you have a spot for me on the floor to crash? They're like, do we have something even better? We have a couch for you. Gotta mm. go. Add my hygiene gear, my car and everything. My Just yeah. in case, right? So at that time, I was like, okay, well, let me have some more beers. I knew by that time in my life, I knew I should have been staying away from hard liquor. Yeah. Um, and I never drank it like at home. And I think that was my excuse why I never really wanted to be an alcoholic call myself an alcoholic was because i knew my limitations was really with hard liquor i'll stay home and get drunk off a beer all day long mm. so then the shots came out and i should i knew i should have said no but somewhere around midnight you know all i remember is is the next morning asking them what happened why y'all leave me let me leave uh, my buddy's telling me like Luis, at around midnight 12 30 goes and we didn't think you were that drunk that's why we never even bothered to call you you just said, hey, guys, I'm going to run downstairs and grab my sleeping bag and my hygiene bag and stage it so I can get ready yeah. to crash out. Things like, but when you never came back upstairs and we saw your car gone, we were just like, oh, well, he wasn't that drunk. Um, and then I ended up wrecking my car. Fortunately, it was a single motor vehicle accident. I didn't hurt anyone. Yeah. Um, and I'm still alive to tell the story. But um, so I had the perfect plan. Not the perfect plan, but I had a plan. Almost, yeah. And I had a, a plan A and a plan B. You know, and 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 I would have stuck to it if I could have just said no, I don't drink liquor because I black out right away, especially yeah. brown liquor, you know. Um, but anywho, <laughs> so you know, it messed up. So it leads a segue to be like, hey, Tuan, what happened? Why why'd you get NJP'd? Like, yeah. And and it and then also leads me to tell him, yes, out of all these NJPs, like I say this because I want you to know that I honestly truly believe it's my Navy Cross that still has allowed me to be here. And yeah. you don't have that opportunity, shipmate. You just need to be like, hey, look, I'm dealing with this. Help me deal with it. And let's yeah. deal with it right now before you're standing in front of our commanding officer having to explain yourself. And you don't have a, a, a shiny little metal to help protect you. Mm -hmm. you know. And, and that's really what I tell them. So to me, it wasn't ever a scarlet letter. It wasn't ever a sign of, of, of dishonor. It was a sign of resilience. Yep. A sign of me showing my sailors, hey, we all make mistakes. I got lashings for it, but mm -hmm. I dusted myself off every single time. Well, a lot of people don't know in 2013 when I was being NJP'd and then going through an administrative separation process because of that NJP, because the Navy at that time said two DUIs in a career. My DUIs done. were 13 years apart. You're really going to hold two things yeah. 13 years apart as saying gold kick them the fuck out, right? Which is what they were telling me <laughs> to do. What people don't realize is my dad died March of 2014. An administrative separation process takes months. Yeah. My dad died in March 2014 on a Friday. I left my mom and my family that Monday, drove all the way back up to Grand Connecticut to tell my lawyer, hey, I'm still going to fight to stay in the Navy came back home. We didn't bury my dad. We cremated him, Hit, had his mm. funeral service that week to drive back up on that following Monday again to now go to the administrative separation board. And even then, my lawyer, before we walked in, he said, HM1, he goes, no one would ever fault you if you just said, hey, you know what? I have a lot going on in life right now. And here's an opportunity for me just to step away from the Navy. I've given it everything I can. And him saying that clicked and I said, no, this isn't everything I have to give. Yeah. So I walked into the administrative separation board and told them that I said, I just left from burying my dad 24 hours ago. 
and I'm still here fighting for my career because that's what's important because I know that there's another Luis Fonseca out there that feels like he has no one to relate to that just got that just walked away from an NJP and now has to wear red stripes and feels, how can I still be an effective sailor? How can I still be a leader? How can, so let me show them. Let me show them how to take a ass whooping, brush myself off and be like, all right, let's keep pushing forward, motherfuckers. You thought you had me down and out, but no, I'm still here. So that to me, what it really came in, that's what my whole me wearing my red stripes on my retirement was the, the message I wanted to put out. Like, we all make mistakes. Don't be ashamed of those mistakes because mm. we all fail. Use them as learning and building blocks to make yourself into a better person. Yeah, and it, most people that I've known that, like, I had chiefs that retired in red stripes, they were so proud of it, too. It's like, mm. hey, man, just like you said, we all mess up, we make mistakes, but look, I'm here 21, 22 years, and we're done. So it, yeah. it, it's been <laughs> amazing that just your story and everything that just you're proud. And then it opens up, like you said, it opens up that conversation of, Hey, look, yeah, I have an award that has done so much for me. It's been painful, but at the same time, it's helped me grow and just people can learn from those mistakes. And that's one of the things that people nowadays want to do all these things, but it's like, Hey, sometimes just look at other people and look at what they've done and listen because mm-hmm. most people just want to experience everything but it's like some things you don't want to experience man right it's uh it's crazy but then now you're showing that example of like hey it's okay to make mistakes but be weary because <laughs> mm-hmm. not everything's gonna be as easy or you know or or as hard i guess you could say either yeah. or but um one last final question dude i know we kind of got over a whole lot of things yeah no worries bro. and uh so advice for any uh, future corpsman or current corpsman right now, uh, since we, we kind of touched on a lot of different subjects, but your last little bit of advice for any of the docs out there. Yeah, yeah, no, um, you know, one thing that we touched on, then, uh, then a second thing we haven't touched on because I specifically wanted to wait till the end for this last yeah. question. Um, one thing we touched on is just take advantage of the Navy and every opportunity yeah. that you can, uh, because the Navy is definitely going to take advantage of you. Um, don't get caught up in thinking that success is built around a rank. Um, mm-hmm. If your mindset is to do your five years, get out and go to college and do whatever you want, make that your dream. And don't let anyone talk you out of it. I've, I've known so many young sailors that have been talked of out of being putting in commissioning packages or going to school because they also want to be a chief and, and some chief, you know, whether they're a chief, senior chief, or master, you pulls them into an office like, well, if you want to be an officer, then don't even pursue chief. Like, I'm going to put that in your eval. And you know, the board's going to yeah. see that, you know. Um, and we hear that. No, like encourage them. Encourage them to, to be the best version of themselves they can be, regardless of what uniform they wear. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't we want to, right? So for junior sailors, take full advantage of what the Navy has to offer you. Mm-hmm. Try to learn and soak up as much knowledge from anyone and everybody that you meet because you never know when that knowledge that they're passing on to you could be something that you're going to later need in life. And why do I say that? Michael Bitt was one of my sergeants that passed away in 2003. Before Iraq ever kicked off, we'd go out to the field and young H.R. Fonseca, 
no, I'm sorry, H.A. Fonseca um, listened to a dumbass third class that said, hey, when the Marines tell you you need to do this, this, and this, just tell them, nope, I'm the corpsman. I don't do that. So dumbass Fonseca, first uh, um, exercise out, sergeant asked him to open up the plenums on the AV, which is the hood of the vehicle, we'll open it up. He jumps into the engine compartment to start just doing some maintenance checks, looks up at me and says, hey, doc, why aren't you down here learning it? And I told him, I said, Sergeant, I'm a corpsman. I don't need to know that stuff. He jumped up on top of that AV so quick. And he just looked at me in the eye and goes, you should be down here learning how this vehicle works because you never know the day that all of your Marine brothers are hurt and you're going to have to be the one to jump in the driver's seat and drive us out of there. And if the vehicle breaks down, you're going to have to know how to put it together to finish the mission. And it was true. On March 2003, how many Marines went down? How many vehicles went down? And there was times where I looked around and I was like, shit, it's me. I'm yeah. going to have to get these casualties out of here. And there's a disabled vehicle. And I'm, you know, so always try to learn from everyone. Um, the last thing I want to leave, and this is going to be very controversial, but I think you're going to understand. I really, truly am tired of ship, shipmate self. Because when you put yourself at the very end, you're no good to anyone. Start thinking self, shipmate, ship. And the reason I say that is a ship can take up to 80% damage, I think something like that, and still float. A human being can only take so much damage before you're done. Mm -hmm. So when I say self, I don't mean as being selfish as like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, nope, nope, I don't want to do that, no. Yeah. If you decide that the Navy is right for you and your family, whatever your family consists of, your family, if you're a single sailor, could be your mom and dad or your brother and sister thousands of miles away. But if you have decided that the Navy life is best for you, then do it honorably and do it the best you can. If you decide Greenside is what you want to do, do it honorably and do it the best that you can. But at the same time, if you say, hey, you know what? I just not ready to go back out to sea right now. I need some time to myself. Then say, hey, chain of command, training time out. It's self time. Because you forcing yourself to go back out to that sea duty when you're not mentally strong, you're not going to be any good to your shipmates. You're definitely not going to be any good to that ship. Yep. See what I mean? So that's why I say stop thinking ship, shipmate, self. And start thinking self, shipmate, and the ship. Because that ship's going to keep on pushing forward, man. But us as human beings, we can only take so much, you know. So I think those would be the, the three biggest things, you know. Soak up all the opportunity you can that the Navy has to offer you. All the schooling, all the certificates, mm -hmm. all of, you know, the TADs that you can take for free to go get some certificate. Go get it. Learn from as many people as you can. And when you're making decisions about what it is that you want in life, make them with the thought process is this healthy for me and what it, my family needs? And if it's not, it's okay to say, hey, you know what? This organization is no longer for me. I have another year left and the two years left. I think I'm going to start looking for other means, you know, or hey, this organization is great for me and my family, but this is the way we want to navigate it and just do it in an honorable, good, in a good way, you know? Oh, the one last <laughs> thing I want to, I want to touch on. And the reason is because you're going to laugh and you're going to be like, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I get it. PC, PC, politically correct crap. Yeah. 
I get it. But at the end of the day, the military exists for one reason and one reason only. And that is to kill motherfuckers for the U.S. government. <laughs> and I say it that way yep. because that is truly the only reason we exist. And people come into this organization. I don't think they really understand that. Mm-hmm. I, think it's, I think it's like working at fucking Walmart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not. If I sit here and tell you, I need you to get your fucking head out of your ass because if you keep doing that, you're going to get your shipmates killed. I don't need you to go crying to mommy and daddy saying, hey, H1 told him to get my fucking head out of my ass. He cussed at me. Hoo-hoo, boo-hoo. No, you know what? When your buddy gets his fucking head blown off yep. sitting right next to you, there's no time for your feelings to get hurt. And you go, boo-hoo-hoo, mm-hmm. mommy and daddy, the military's mean. No. And that's why I say it's so blunt in your face. We exist for one reason and one reason only, to kill motherfuckers for the U.S. government. So war fighting organization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that job is not pretty in of itself. And I'm just very fortunate that in those times of destruction, our great creator, even though I'm a Buddhist, I believe in one great creator, that mm. our great creator gave me the skill set and the knowledge to try to preserve more life than to take it away. So, Yeah, well, uh, well thank you, man. All, all that advice, I'm definitely even going to heed myself just because you know, there, there are things that... Uh, crossroads that eventually I need to go through as well so for everyone listening a a take those words to heart and all this experience and uh, thank you for coming on man for giving us the opportunity to have this discussion maybe we can have another episode sometime soon and um, hey so make sure that you guys uh, subscribe and that you guys uh, follow on and then if you guys have any more questions you can shoot them my way and I can shoot them over to Luis at any given point in time but thanks for coming on brother this really means a lot man no, brother, thank you so much um, for this honor and this this opportunity, for this platform to, to share my story and maybe just give other people a little bit more of an insight on how my career progressed, why I am still very proud of who I am after 22 years and what maybe a lot of people might have seen as failures in those 22 years. I just saw them as building blocks to, to who I am now. And I'm very proud of who I am now. And definitely, if there's any questions, if anyone, you know, wants to dive deep a little bit more on what they might heard me talk about a little bit in this podcast and, and they reach out to you, hey, I'm all about it, um, especially when it comes to the mental health aspect and reaching out for help and other resources that we have available. Um, because the last thing I ever want, like you said as well, brother, is to get that phone call that we had a brother or sister pass away that took mm. their life instead of that phone call saying, hey, I need help. And us being on the phone for three, four, five, six, eight hours, you know, getting you the help that you need. I'd much rather have that than, yep. than that other phone call. So yeah, anything I can do, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. I'm very proud to have worn that uniform for 22 years. Um, but I'm even more proud to have finally taken it off and just be able to, to relax and be at home. And, um, and yeah, just be a family man now. Awesome, bro. All right. Hey, thanks for everyone listening. Um, And we'll catch you guys on the next one.